All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Scrap Time Podcast. My name is Ben J. Nassim, currently with here. We'll shortly be without here in a couple of weeks. I am here with my guy, Mr. Goach, coach of Atlanta Phase, Chris Crowder, longtime friend of me, myself. Uh, I don't think that's how you phrased that, but either way, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Ben. That was a good intro, dude. I'm proud of you. You're Man, the, bald, right. the bald J. Razim, dude. Soon to be bald, Ben, Not is giving bald, us yeah. intro. Chad- you will be. Do you have a date on that? Uh, sorry, emotes. Shout, shout, Tiff already made bald emotes. Uh, okay. so the plan is, Chris. Um, I think Tommy and I are coming to Atlanta the when? last week of February. Last like week that. of February, okay. Yeah, because it's like a, the one week where you guys have a match, don't have a match on Sunday. Because mm-hmm. Tom and I want to do the show, and then Saturday do watch play with the boys, and then Monday do content. So, like at some point during that, probably like Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Ooh. We'll get my head shaved. I might have to, gonna do I might have to fly in for a day and then fly should, out, dude. You should fly in. <laughs> Bro, Danny and I already got a plan. Like, MC's going to do the initial shave. Danny's going to clean it up because I can't. I, listen, MC whoa, shaved whoa, my hair whoa. is great for gimmicks, but he can't finish it. Why can't he? Oh, because he's going he's gonna to butcher it. Danny will do a better job. Oh, whoa, whoa. I think we should let MC no. just do the whole thing. What do we think? Oh, do the whole thing? The whole thing, dude. Wait, are you doing, uh, are you doing your head and beard? We're doing like the edges of my beard. Like what was decided on the watch party uh, mm-hmm. over the weekend is that I'm going to go with like the Walter light, the Walter white look. So like a goatee we're, we're calling me Heisenben. <laughs> Heisenben. <laughs> now, that was like, that was what the group decided <sighs> we're going to do. Cause like we, people made like these Photoshop, basically all it started from was when I made the original bet with Pat, like a few weeks ago, uh-huh. uh, or was it last week? I don't know. Two weeks ago. Uh, people started tweeting like pictures of me bald and yeah. they like took Photoshop pictures of, you know, Walter White. And then mm. we were just like, oh, that's actually like a good gimmick. I should go for it. So okay. there you go. Wait, could you please get the hat and everything too? Could you get like the hat too? Well, I'm not aware. I'm not allowed to wear hats, but maybe. Well, no, maybe you don't have to wear it all the like time, but you have to get it for just for, just for like the picture. You're not allowed though. You're going to have yeah. to go bald on stream all the time. Yeah. But at least for like the picture, at least once you got to get the hat too. I, I got to see who. I, I, someone in Columbus, probably one of the esports engine people, probably has a hat somewhere. I like okay. Ethan has it, but yeah, I mean, we can start off there. So obviously, I had a bet with Pat, aka Eggs, that if phase one, I had to shave my head. If they lost, I would have made five hundred dollars. Obviously, Chris, your team finally got over that like year and a half hump, and you guys got it done this weekend. Like starting off with you personally, like I know it's been a journey seeing these guys get close and just come up short on Sundays, like how does it feel they were able to, you know, get it done this weekend? How does it feel? I mean, it feels good. Um, obviously I think, uh, it was weird after winning and just like so many, you know, obviously we had a lot of second places. I think we got, you know, third major one and all that stuff. Like it felt good. Obviously, you know, it feels really good to, to win after basically a full year of not winning. And then obviously, you know, falling short major one where I feel like we looked pretty good in major one until we played New York on that Sunday. And then we kind of just like, broke down and just like you yeah. know when we lost both matches and then we we're out of the tournament but um i think it was it was weird though there's so much media talking about like the second place curse and i get why i i do get why you know we we made a lot of finals last year and we fell short a lot but i think it was also super underrated or just like maybe since we don't really talk about a lot of stuff like publicly especially myself i getting second place as much as we did last year in my opinion was impressive with how terrible we were like we weren't a terrible team, but we didn't, we never like to your was, standards. Yeah. To our standards, to my standards, even to the player standards. Like, even if you talk to the players, like we never like came into a tournament last year for the most part, I would say major one, we were looking pretty good and optic was just better. 
like they were looking better. You know what I mean? Like I think major one, they 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 just played really well. And then uh, outside of that major one, though, I feel like we just never got like that practice where you go into an event and you're like fully prepared. You know, like I, there was a lot of events last year where we, where we went into and I was like, I don't know what the fuck's about to happen. You know what I mean? Just because like you can get the the culture and the practice and a bunch of stuff that was just like behind the scenes that just weren't on point. Where like even like this year going in the major one. I feel like going into that major one, even after getting third, it was frustrating, of course, but it was also not like as a coach, from my coaching's perspective, I guess, I was still proud of them. Does that make sense? Even though it wasn't second and it was technically a step backwards from last year in the sense of always getting second, I was still happier with that third place because of the way we practiced for it and we just fell short and it is what it is. Like we weren't a complete team yet. We had some weaknesses. We had to work on stuff, but the way it was approached was better. Where like last year, we just couldn't get on the same page with a lot of things. Uh, and I feel going into those events again, we were never a fully complete team. So those second places sucked. But from my perspective behind the scenes, I couldn't believe we got second place as much as we did. So I was very happy though, through, through ups and downs with this team to win again. It felt really good to win again. And I think it's cool to see players stick together and then like you know go through the harsh times together and then come out and you know end up winning again so i thought it was cool i loved it yeah i mean you guys are on a kind of crazy i mean your team obviously has been the most consistent team now for the entire length of the cdl and we'll get to that later on the show but like i think especially the search this year has been excellent i mean when times when your heart points been a little bit spotty the search has been getting you guys through some I think you guys are on what, like a 15 out of your last 16 or 16 out of your last 17 S&Ds you guys have won? Like, that's that's crazy. Do you think that's a product of, like, bringing Austin in, the coaching staff, especially John's tactics, or just kind of a combination of everything leading to sort of this hot form in uh, search right now? Uh, I'm going to answer this question, and then I have to take a two-minute break really quick to let my dog out because he's going okay. crazy. But, um, yes, uh, so to answer your thing with the search and destroy thing on the face side of things, so I do think... First of all, to give credit to the players, because in my opinion, the players always deserve the most credit because they're the ones playing, and I think that's very important. And they're all good search players. Stellium's an amazing search player. BZ is, Simp is, and obviously bringing in Slasher is someone who else is really, really good at search. So I think um, that being said, that will always make us a pretty good search team by default to a, to a degree. And then obviously, you know, you can yeah. go through ups and downs. But I do think having... Tupac as our S&D analyst since we've brought him in you're always going to have your highs and your lows and whatnot when you're doing that you're never going to be perfect but I do truly think he is the best search and destroy mind in Call of Duty history I, I don't even think it's close uh, I, I think his accolades in search and destroy alone kind of speak for that I think he's got the most tournaments the, the, like everything going on like he's he's incredible but the mindset that he brings towards search and destroy with the players on top of it are it just it meshes really well and again we've had a really good culture this year for him to work with the players to the best of his ability and obviously the best of their ability to find stuff that works uh and we've found a hot streak on top of that so i think uh a huge shout out to the coaching staff of the people that work with me that don't get enough credit in in general you know a lot of people have a lot of nice things to say about me but the players are really really good just in general at search and then the coaching staff that works with me is insane i think tupac is Again, the best S and D mind in the history of Call of Duty, and then I also do think our analyst does a lot of work with that too to help him, you know, get the best results out of our players, and I think that's really, really good. So, 
I do think that is by far one of the most underrated things ever. I don't think he gets enough credit. So I want to add before we kind of get into the uh, matches and talk about the event. Um, I want to ask because it's I, I'm trying to think if we want to do it now or it's a little bit topical. Oh, that's good now. Fuck it. Um, you know, on that note, obviously you talked a lot about like the value that John brings, like obviously mm-hmm. what you do with the team. Um, prior to this event, and then it kind of came up again yesterday because Sam Phoenix was talking about the Seattle situation, the lack of um, changes, and we'll get to that more detail at the end of the episode. You know, as we kind of talk about going into last weekend and how things went down, like, where do you see yourself as value as a coach to this team? Because some people like Damon and Formal have talked about on the optic side. They don't see a lot of value in coaches and COD. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you think maybe sort of nuance to sort of what they're speaking about? Like, so just value and coaching in general? Well, they're like, those two guys have said, like, on the podcast, on their streams, that, like, they don't think coaches and COD have a lot of value. Like, what's your thought on that statement? Uh, I mean, it depends on, like, what kind of coach you are and what kind of player you are. Like, for example, like, with Slasher, I guess I can use him. Like, you don't really coach Slasher how to play Call of Duty at a high level. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. it's like, like to, to a degree, there's always, I, I mean, I've had arguments with my players, Slasher included, and just in general about like how we should be approaching how to play hard points in the system that we've built and how to play hard point. So I do think having a philosophy of how you play and not just fucking running around like lunatics will ever work. Like, I, I, I think that's like crazy to say, but I think there are certain players in the league that like, don't really need that as much like using slasher as I had like an example, just cause he's one of my players that I coach right now. Like coaching him is not something where like, I don't think he'll find crazy value in the sense of like, Oh, like, you know, Crowder taught me how to play hard point and his philosophy is better than any philosophy in the world. Like there is a degree to that. That's obviously not true, but I, I don't think they hurt at all. It depends on like how good of a coach you are. And it depends on like what you are doing for your roster. Like, I don't know. I think, every time I've coached with Slasher, I think I've done a really good job with him and helping him get the best of like, you know, the players around him out of them. And I think that's like a big thing. So I I guess like to a degree, I've said this even on my stream, like outside of this podcast, I'm not winning events myself. I'm not going out there and I'm the reason why we fucking win. And I say this all the fucking time. I always joke around about that shit. Like, you know, I do even, I made made the joke earlier. Like, yeah, I popped off this weekend. Like, obviously I'm not, you know, that's what players. the players that you Sam coach. got in trouble for yesterday. What do you mean? What do you mean? Well, you so like, trouble? sorry not to interrupt you, but like, I just, cause I think it's important to where you're at in this convo. It's like mm-hmm. so Sam Phoenix yesterday was on stream and he was talking about the, the situation with Seattle and he kind of used himself, I think a little too much in the way that he was framing that. Right. He was saying sort of what it, what it meant to him in terms of wins and losses. And he had to kind of walk it back a little bit on Twitter after it. Cause um, I think it took away from the fact that, yeah, to your point, like, you know, your job is to, prep the team and get them in the best mindset and give them a little bit of a conversation in between maps, but everything else is on the players and that win and loss is not on you. Like I assume that's kind of where you're going with that, right? Um, yes and no. I mean, I would never go as far as saying the wins and losses aren't on me. Like I, I personally think when we lose, like it's my fault too. I, 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 I don't think you win or lose in anything Unless like you literally have no part of doing it, then like maybe it has nothing to do with you. But like when we lose, like I feel I feel like it's on part of, partially on me as well as 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 much as partially on the players. Like I feel like it's like a cohesive unit 
like of what you guys do together. I don't know. I feel like there's a very important role that coaches play. Again, I don't think coaches win you the fucking tournament themselves. But at the same time, like, at least for me, the way I view the head coach role, like the way I view coaching specifically in COD, I'm not teaching Simp how to shoot his fucking gun straight. Obviously. Mm -hmm. I'm not. That's not my job. I don't think that's any coach's job on I'd, I'd hope that's not any coach's job on any of their teams to teach their players how to shoot um i've done a lot of one one-on-one -on -one vod prep with players when they're in slumps to help them get out of it like i've done that before but like you're not teaching them how to play so I, I think a lot of it is just like how you can get the best out of all four of your players individually and also as a unit and i i think that's underrated like i think being on the same page as a team in the cdl nowadays is solely the reason why you win or lose so again i don't think coaches are the make or break of teams but i think they can do nothing well i guess they can hurt too but a good coach can do nothing but help you get the most out of the players and the most out of the organization to enable you to win so you know what i mean so like i, I think coaches have a really good or a very important role but at the end of the day like yeah you have to do it on your own as a player. And that's also why I always talk about this. Like, you know, we can go down a really deep hole with this, but like having an in-game leader on your team is also really important. But then again, like at the the way the CDL works nowadays, players don't just build rosters. Like usually your CEO or whoever owns the company or the, you know, spot goes to the general manager, which goes to the head coach, which goes to the captain of the team. And you have to figure out how to make the best roster, who fits with it, and like make all those decisions to get that, right? So like, I think a lot of that is also on the head coach and then the GM to like make the decisions of what like is best for the team too, of like what will work, you know? So I don't know. I think there's a lot of important stuff that goes to it. I don't think they make or break teams. I'm not going to sit here and say like, you know, I'm, so, I'm some fucking goat coach that does more. Like I, I've said this for years. I don't think I'd, I'm as important as people make them out to be. But yeah, I think it's just getting the best out of your players, getting the best out of the people that you are working with. And doing that. And in, in a scene like this, in the CDL, in my opinion, I think that is incredibly underrated because how easy it is to lose tournaments and how hard it is to win them comes down to the smallest little things like, you know, late night conversations of like talking someone through their mentality and seeing like, you know, where their head's at and like how, if are they feeling confident? Are they feeling like they're ready to go? Or are they on the same page as this player? Why are you two butting heads? Like, how can we get through this? There's like a lot of other shit that goes into it that in my opinion is really important. So like, I, I think coaching can be very important, but at the same time, it is also on the players to execute and perform. But I think that goes as a unit. If I don't do my job as well as I could, I don't think the team's on the same page as well as they could. I don't think the team plays as well as they could. I don't think the team wins as much. But at the same time, if I do my job at the best of my ability and players don't do the job at their best ability, then it's the same. You know what I mean? Like you have, everyone yeah, has no. to do their job. Great. So it's, it's so much more than just like a yes or no question. And it also depends on what time of what type of team you have, a type of team you have. If you have a smart team that doesn't need philosophy. Then you need to, you know, manage egos. You have not a lot of egos to manage, but like they're dumb as bricks. That's also a thing Then you have to do that. So it just depends on who you're working with too. So it just depends. I don't know. I agree, agree with that answer. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of, again, I, I wanted to kind of start with that because we're going to talk about a number of teams, I think, and Optics, one of them, where I think that question of what is the value of the support structure around the team 
um, going to bring to either a team that just formed or a team that's been around for a while to get them to where the level that they're not at right now. So, uh, but like from your end, I mean, how did you enjoy Boston? What did you think about the event, uh, the setup, like compared to other events? Would you go back? Obviously, the only thing I, I thought the event was good. I know we ran into some funky things around the flank and security, but that's not really on Boston. Uh, I think the only thing I didn't like about Boston was it just they picked, unfortunately, the worst weekend weather-wise because it was so cold on Saturday. <laughs> it was freezing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I I thought Boston was one of the better CDL events I've been to, period. Not because we won. Literally, before the event started, I thought the venue was was perfect size. I didn't think it was too big where it kind of looks like a little crazy in the sense like you're not going to fill up all those seats. Uh, I don't think... It wasn't too small. The PPAs, like the pro player warm-ups and all that stuff, we actually had, for the most part, separate rooms. Uh, they did a pretty good job with that. I, I'm not a huge fan of when the warm-ups for the pl uh, players and teams are just like a black curtain, and you can just hear everything everyone's saying, so you have to fucking whisper to your teams and stuff. Um, but, uh, but to be fair to that, Chris, just to give context, because I've mm -hmm. heard that criticism a lot, did this requirement that the CDL has for practice areas is very, very tricky and... No, no, I'm not criticizing. Yeah. I'm not criticizing. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just trying saying, to con yeah, yeah. I'm trying to give context to people mm -hmm. that like, if people want 12 individual rooms, it's very going to be very difficult to find a venue that has that. Like in CS, what they'll do for majors or big events, a lot of teams is they almost just like acknowledge that the venues can't fit that. And they just put them yeah. in a hotel across the street. And that comes with its own cost and logistical challenges. Yeah. But to your point, I thought like I went back there, obviously every time I go back there, Claire stares at me. And ask me to leave, but you know. Yeah. Uh, and besides that, uh, I thought considering that's a completely new building, that dressing room area was really nice. And to your point, once they eliminated four teams, that space came yeah, pretty cool. Once the four teams were eliminated, it was like literally perfect. But I do, yeah, I know how hard it is to actually make that work. But yeah, I'm just not a huge fan of just when you're warming up. And you know, I think the one event we had like Optic next to we, I think it was like Cold War Champs was the it was the funny one. I think it was like. We had Optic next to us, or we were playing. I don't know. I don't remember which team it was. It wasn't them, but it was some weird shit where it was like, I'm like fucking whispering to my team of like what we need to do on this map versus this team. And I'm like sitting there and like, it's just so weird doing that. Like, while, well, but you have to, and everyone goes to the same thing. I, I don't like that environment. And I think when we have uh, like the Optic events really good with uh, that, that specific venue has yeah. really good PPAs, it's nice. So that stuff's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, I thought the venue was awesome. I, I love the city of Austin. I always have. I've been there twice before uh, for a short period of time. I think that city's really cool. It has really good food. Venue is perfect. The fans were awesome. That was one of my more uh, enjoyable. I, I enjoyed that event more than most. So I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think from my perspective, like I, I thought it was a really good event. Um, shout Boston, Breach Crew. I know, you know, they needed to make kind of... Um, some interesting decisions about what they want to do venue-wise because they were looking at a bunch of different spots in Boston. They settled on this one, um, and I thought it was a good choice. It a, it's a completely new building for people that didn't know. I think it literally just got built in the last couple of years and opened in the, the summer, and so everything was new. The lounge is really nice. The like actual bowyer area with the crowd was really good. Um, back of house, like I walked through it a little bit. It was it was awesome. Um, you know, the only issue I think that I had was just, and this happens is like. It's a venue that just opened, and so they're not used to running esports events, right? They have concerts that come through, and those are two or three hour shows, and they're out. And the esports event, like, crews getting there at like 9 a.m., the event's running until 9 p.m., those things going on for 12 hours. So, for some people involved, especially, you know, their venue staff, the security, 
dealing with those logistical challenges are really tricky. Also, I found out that apparently Boston's got a very strict curfew at times at night, and that caused um, some interesting uh, logistical challenges around this event. So we had a little bit of a snafu uh, with security on Friday night and just a miscommunication, which we had to address uh, for the weekend. Mm -hmm. um, and again, that one was not on Boston. I think that was just on the venue staff, but we put everybody together and we figured it out going forward. But I'd love to go back to that event. Just please. Same. Yeah, Let's cool. not do it in February. Yeah, I, I feel like we always do... You might actually have insight to this, but I'm assuming it's probably cheaper or something. But I feel like we're always in Miami is just a hypothetical that the one time we were, we're always in a really hot area in, a, in August or you know, somewhere where it's always really hot then. And then we're always in the super cold areas like we we're being Columbus in the middle of freaking, you know, February or, you know, Boston in February. Like we should be reversing that. Like, let's do Florida or something there, you know, in February where it's nice and warm. And then let's go to like the East Coast events where it's not, you know, negative 10 degrees out I'm down. I'm assuming well, that's cheaper or some shit, but what's the date of Toronto? It's like June. Hey, that's May, that, June. See, that's what I'm asking yeah. for. That's cool. Because every time I go to Toronto, I feel like the last two times I've been, it's been fucking freezing, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, I think that'd be, that'd be nice to go to. I want to go to like, oh yeah, cold ass Minnesota too. Yeah, I'd like to go to these places when it's not freezing out. Because even Minnesota, that the, that venue and stuff, it's casino? not it's not that well the casino and stuff but just in general the city and everything like it's not that bad if it's not you know negative degree weather out so oh dude i i love that minnesota event last year but like okay so the minnesota event was at this casino and then attached to the casino there's a little bit of a walk there's like the ballrooms that it was happening and when you'd walk towards the ballrooms this very nice apparently extremely nice golf course would stare you in the face and i would lose composure because there was snow on the ground it's like i really wanted to like you know but golf, you know me. I love golf. Yeah, games. bro. And they're staring at the golf course. I can't play. So you just, <laughs> yeah. I don't think any of the players are going golfing, but yeah. Uh, but to your point about how this works, so so like <laughs> it has uh, to be cheaper, right? I I don't think it's a cost thing. I think oh, it's really? just a political. How do we fill out the schedule and who gets what spot type deal? Okay, I I I just always assumed that it had to be well cheaper. It's just I feel like most of the CWL, like you know, go going back, like I feel like most of the CWL events were always like cold venues during cold times and then like super warm venues during like again summer like i don't know it's always well like that, the difficulty but. with events i mean we can There's probably i would say we don't have to go yeah this. we don't have to go yeah, down into it but. but but basically venue availability is not easy we have that's to understand I, yeah. with a lot of venues is people book annual things so there's already mm -hmm. relationships with these venues for prime dates because they've had conferences or events going on for 10 12 years in that building so yeah. There are going to be off windows are always going to be what's available and off windows will also potentially be cheaper depending on, um, you know, what the venue costs or any kind of grant or subsidy they can get from local or state or federal. Um, but I think for a majority of stuff, it's usually like, at least I, for my works at CDL, mm -hmm. but the scheduling is like, it's just political of like, everybody wants to host the events at the end of the year because the weather's better, but like not everybody can. So just figuring out who gets what spot. Um, but Going back to PBA thing, yeah, it'll be better at ESA just because you guys get all the individual practice rooms. Yeah, no. um, makes sense. Okay. And then if we go back to the same Toronto venue too, I think it would be good as well because there's a lot of space and how that building was set up. But I don't think they've confirmed yet what venue uh, that event will be at. Okay, sweet. So, so yeah, I mean, uh, we could talk a lot about the teams. Like, obviously, you guys won. We talked about that on the front of the show. Obviously, the big victory for you guys. I know you're close with the the Thieves crew to extend. Obviously, you live in LA. 
They live in LA. Um, what are your thoughts on on them? You know, they've had a kind of a tricky start to the season. They finally went on a crazy losers bracket run at this event and kind of catapulted themselves back into the top team conversation. Like, what are your thoughts on that squad? Um, I mean, they just won a world championship. Um, you know, obviously a different game, but they're the team that they have always been. Like, I feel from the stuff that I see, which has been more minimal, is just like a lot of people have a lot of criticism to them when they do bad. And even after the world championship and the run that they had last year, they started this year, not to their standards. Obviously they kind of slow, they started slow and I immediately saw like criticism, the cap again, criticism to their team and all the stupid bullshit that like comes with that. And like, it never makes any sense to me. Like, I think they're a good team. No, they're not Lanimals. I don't think that has anything to do with I it. To ask you that yeah, question, no, like... that's a bunch of bullshit too. They're a good team. Did they play worse online? Yes. It has nothing to do with online. They're a good team, and when they find their rhythm, they're really good. This te- this game specifically is still really new. The spawn system is still really new. It also needs to get tweaked. Like we talked about this last, uh, like the you know, yeah. like the test episode. There's a lot of variants that can go wrong right now in this game, and it so so like to be consistent is pretty tough just with some of the stuff going on, and. At the end of the day, though, I think they're incredible. I think they have an amazing coaching staff do, that I do think helps a lot. I think Cap is one of the small, smartest Call of Duty players in history and coaches and stuff, yada, yada, yada. Same with Shane and the rest of them. And I think their team's insane. So, like, to see them in the final after playing bad online, I don't even think they had anything to do with online. It's just they're just good. Like, you know, they're a team that can find that teamwork and rhythm and be really good. So, like, even with them struggling, I've never thought for a second – that they were going to continue to struggle. You know, like it's only a matter of time until they get better and do what they kind of did. And I think they're always going to be a threat just because of how good their teamwork is. I think that team specifically, when I look at them, their philosophy of how to play Call of Duty is really, really just well thought out. I was kind of just saying this with the whole coaching thing. I think Cap understands Call of Duty more than 99% of the... Like, I think he is one of the smartest people in COD in the scene. I think he understands how to play hardpoint at an efficient rate that a lot of people don't get. I think that having being that as your coach and then Shane being a really good coach as well with other, like other things as well. I think them paired with smart players like Kenny, Sam Envoy, draws like they have smart players. They have talented players. They're going to have insane teamwork. They're going to have a really good philosophy how to play. They're always going to be good. It always comes down to then executing when it matters. But I think that's only a matter of time until that team gets it down. So I've had, I have nothing but respect for that team. I've always thought they were good. I even thought they were good when they were 0 and 5 last year in Vanguard. You know, like I that team is just always going to be a threat. They're always going to be a championship contending team in my opinion unless something else goes wrong behind the scenes and yeah, so I think they're I think they're great. Personally. Yeah, I was going to ask about the Landwald thing cuz I you and I have had this conversation for a couple of years about the difference between online and land and this perception of like teams are just good on land and good online is just like not how it works. And I think also the other context of the Thieves thing I think Cap's spoken on this. I think Sam's spoken about this. Octane's spoken about this on a stream. Like they've also dealt with somatic game stuff in terms of players being physically sick, right? Mm-hmm. The most yeah. recent example is Kenny and dealing with, yeah. you know, with the vertical issues he talked about in an interview. And like that hurts your practice, that hurts your consistency. And as you know, I think you can speak to because you've been on teams like they probably found themselves a little bit in this loser bracket run over the weekend, right? Uh, when they started to get that momentum and they got those games. And I think a similar situation. That you went through was probably like 
TWL Dallas World War II phase when you guys really struggled online with your split and just how you were playing. You went to that event, had to go through open bracket and play like 12 series in one day, probably help build that, that trust again. I think for yeah. Thieves going on that, that run, they've kind of figured out some of their bread and butters now. They've gotten more consistency. In Hardpoint, I think they're situational. Situational search play is still iffy, mm -hmm. but I can't tell if that's just, we're going to see a lot of clutches because Red Dot Cheese. Or yeah. if that's just the issues that they had at the beginning of, of last year a little bit. But yeah, no, they're they're now in that top three, top four team conversation. I think you would agree with that, right? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I 100%. I think they're up there for sure. And just to like go back to the online thing really quick, I will say one thing with this game that was a little bit weird is what we talked about right before the, like the other podcast, like the test run. The sound cheese online was crazy. The allowed this yeah. equalization setting that was not allowed at this current event, they, they got it taken off the computer so people couldn't use it on land and stuff, and it's hard, also harder to hear on land in general, was crazy. So that is one of the few times where like online was a little bit different just because it wasn't a connection thing. It was actually like you could literally hear people across the map online because you were sitting in a quiet room with a headset on in a crazy setting. So that was definitely for sure something that players would have to adapt to, and I think that's obviously not fair. So that was definitely a little bit different, but... On top of that, yeah, no, like, I think they're a top three top three team. I think they always will be. Again, their situational search plays will come with practice and reps uh, and behind-the-scenes stuff, too. Yeah, like, there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind closed doors with a lot of teams that a lot of people don't know that is usually the true reason why they're either hot at the time, confident, or not. And, like, to go back to what you were saying, like, we got to play, like, those 12 series on LAN, like, that wasn't an online-to-LAN thing, in my opinion, either, for the most part, like... Back then, there was also a lot more variance online because we were literally playing teams that were four West Coast hosting versus yeah, East Coast. Like, that's, a, yeah. that's a different, like, we're playing on servers that are almost built to be as fair as possible. Are they as, pos are they as fair as land? No. But, like, if you lose by 100 points on one of those servers and your ping is 10, 10 ping different, it's not the ping. You just suck. Like, you, you played wrong. You made mistakes. So it's like, nowadays, I don't really feel like that's as big of an issue. But there's also a mental side to it, too, where, like, some players, again, let that affect their mental, and then they play worse. And if they play better on land, it's because they play better on pressure. That's all mental. That has nothing to do with your 10-ping difference. You're not, dude, you're not going from average to a top-five player on land because of your 10-ping difference or your 20-ping difference. It's not that. So, like, yeah. But I do think, yeah, I think they're really good. I, uh, I'm... Happy to, I'm excited to see them like continue to progress as a team. I I have a lot of respect for that team, obviously. So, yeah. Well, speaking speaking the mental, let's talk on this team that I think mm -hmm. there might be something going on there, and I'm curious for you thing, and that's the Boston Breach, uh, a team that I know, and you could probably speak on that's probably pretty nasty in scrims, and they've been pretty good online. Uh, you know, in terms of being in that pack of teams, it's always making winners, but mm -hmm. um, came up a little bit short this weekend in a series against Optic that was a really tough to watch i gotta be honest like it was it was a 3-0 where progressively the the throws on their side got worse over the course of that series i, I didn't get to see it during the uh, moment i was we were at dinner i think we had it like up but i wasn't like yeah stream. i wasn't watching yes. it like you know super in depth like i would be but yeah yeah i, I heard it i heard it was i heard it was tough yeah and i know um zen obviously retired we'll get to that in a second um and they're gonna be bringing beans now so the team will be a little bit different but mm -hmm. like what do you think obviously you're not in the 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 coaching room in boston there's behind the scenes stuff kind of hard to speculate on like you think they there's there's potentially this issue they got to work through and like 
learning well, how to finish, like getting over that hump. So that's what I was kind of getting at earlier. Like depending on coaching and depending on teams and depending on the organization as a whole, like I don't, it's, it's really hard. I know like a lot of people don't like this answer when I give it to like, if, you know, give it out, but like, it's hard to, to accurately judge that without knowing again, like you're not in the coaching room, like you just said. So like, I don't know if it's like a mental thing. I don't know if it's something of the sort. It could also be like, this is like the first time in a little bit where we actually had like, you know, the, the sound, like the loudness equalization thing actually helps a lot of people just play because you can almost like not, not hear someone coming. So like you, maybe you're more comfortable when you have more awareness in that sense. Like, I don't know what it is exactly. I to be do fair is in to tell me that they, they were, this is what Zinn told me. Yeah. I just said, was yeah, that I they were, they were, they took it off the week before the event because they felt like it was going to get banned. So they started practicing without it, but contextually okay. just to say like, this isn't a problem. They just had at this event, Chris, like no, I know. Yeah. The history of this team. Go well, ahead. I also don't know. Again, I'm not saying these players specifically. I don't know. You just never know how, like, how long someone's been using the setting. Cause I think the setting has been around for a while. Could, yeah. could, could you technically speaking, could you have been using this setting in cold war? Is that, is that, do we know? Uh, I mean, chat can speak on how long it's I'm, been in I'm Windows. A, I'm a, I, I would say up. I'm assuming someone knows. Someone well, Sack said it, yes. So like, yeah. that's my thing. So I have no idea if like, for example, you were using it for a while. Yeah, I, I don't know. But again, if Zinni actually said that they were practicing, practicing it with it off, then first of all, that's awesome. Good on them for doing that. And again, I don't even know if that's a, a thing. But regardless, um, most of the time from my experience as a player myself and then coaching players, it's usually just like, yeah, like a, a mental thing of just, you know, keeping the confidence and trying to, you know, figure out what works best for you to like get like those like close series wins to like finish out. Like if you have that potential and it's there, it's just like, again, not only on your coaches, but as yourself as a player to find out how to tap your potential when you're at like, you know, your best mental state of like, however you're feeling confident. If you're saying like they're better online or whatever, like how do you get that potential out of all the players and as your team, as a unit to like, you know, finish that out because they are a good team i i think boston's very good i think if you're playing that well consistently online it's there right so now it's just like you know where do you find like you know the next steps of doing that so like usually from my experience a lot of it is more on the mental side of just figuring it out on like you know doing it when it matters most and i think that's very underrated and it's also you know easier said than done just to just finish out series so i think they have to probably figure something out with that uh, maybe also bringing in beans, like no slide on Zinni, but maybe like, you know, just a team change in general might help. You yeah. know, like sometimes that's just like weirdly the thing. It has nothing to do with skill. Like you never know kind of what goes on. So I'm, I've, I've always had my eye on them, just like in the general sense of competition. I've always thought they're really good. Even when we scrim them, I have a lot, like, again, that's a team that I think's better than what people think and people give them. Are they like, it, so. if you had to, like, are they one of the teams that like in practice? Takes from those maps off for you guys. Like if you scram, like you don't need to speak on uh, anything like that. In terms of difficulty in scram, in respawns, I think I would say they're a good hardpoint respawn team for sure. If I, if I again, I would, I don't want to answer and then be like technically wrong, but I definitely think they're one of the better scrims. Like when we scrim them, in my opinion, like that's a scrim where like I watch even closer than I would already watch. I think they're a good team. You know what I mean? So like I, I respect them. Like when I hear we're scrim in Boston. From my perspective as a coach, I'm like, yeah, like let's fucking go, good team, you know, like let's that's a good that's a good ass scrim, good practice. So like, I think they're good. I don't know the exact records, but I think they play us well for the most part. If I if I'm correct, I want to say that yeah. So I think uh, they have the potential. It's there. I think they just gotta figure it out, like you know, step by step. And I think that's also 
a big responsibility on all the players themselves on top of the coaches and on top of the organization of like, you know, how to find the best recipe to get the best out of your players. That, that, that That's where like, in my opinion, that really comes into play again. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch, but I do think that stuff like that is super important. Uh, and I think mm -hmm. at this point we should speak on the methods piece. I know he's in the mm -hmm. chat, but obviously he's in, in an emotional kind of thing on, uh, on Sunday kind of had his moment and announced his retirement. Obviously you've, you've known him for a very long time. You've yep. came with him. Um, you've tried, you dropped him off a team, <laughs> uh, uh, for MC to be fair. Sorry, Zin. Um, but, uh, you know, Zin's, Zin's obviously retiring as a, a great player and doing content. Just want to give you sort of a platform to speak on sort of your thoughts on his retirement. Um, his retired. I mean, I'm going to say one thing. I don't know how he didn't absolutely break down on that stage and start crying. Like, I know he was like, obviously like choked up. I, I, I think I said it like when he was doing it, that was impressive. The fact that he got on stage and actually kind of kept it together as well as he did. That was impressive in its own sense. But, uh, his career in general and like just Zinni as a player, like, yeah, no, I mean, dude, Zinni's like a legend, you know, like I think the one thing I guess that stands out the most about Zinni that for me, at least nothing about like, skill or tournament wise like i think he's always been a great player i think he's been underrated you know a lot i think nameless said like he's never been a lot of teams first choices but he's always done really fucking good and i think he should have been teams first choices here and there too like you know i think he's really good and he had a great career and like you know he's done a lot for the scene he's a huge he's gonna i think he's gonna be even even more into the scene now i think his content's gonna kill it i think he's gonna have such so much success but uh i think his like will to like kind of fight through the situations he's been in as a player through his entire career, even dating back to when he was young, like is so impressive. Like he's one of the players that like fought through a lot of shit that a lot of people wouldn't do. And I guess like the couple examples I'll bring out of why I have so much respect for him in this sense is when he was younger and he wasn't 18 and he couldn't compete at champs. That's kind of when like Zinni was doing really well. I know a lot of people just started during the CDL, so they don't remember this. But he was doing really well back in the day. And then, like, he wasn't 18, so he couldn't compete at champs. So, like, it really slowed down his career a lot. And that was, like, the first, like, like I guess, like, face of adversity he had to, like, kind of go through where, like, that's a shit ton to deal with at that young age to consistently, like, keep pushing through and team with, team with teams that kind of suck because the good players aren't going to pick you up because you're not 18, you know what I mean? Like, to get through that. And, like, he still always kind of, like, pushed through that, pushed through that, pushed through that, and then, you know, found himself on teams. And then, like... Going through it again, he kind of, you know, is in a weird situation. He's not in the fucking best couple situations in Cold War. You know, he doesn't have a team. And again, a lot of players in scenarios like that just kind of call it quits and just say, like, you know, it was a good career. I won a tournament or two. You know, like, I did what I needed to do. Like, he, had a, he has an MVP. Like, he has a lot of money. And all that stuff that he does, like, he still kind of persevered through that and, like, continuously put his face out there, tried to keep getting on teams and stuff. And then he found himself back into the league and did well. Like, I think he played well. I think last year he played well. I think he was a good player last year. And I th even think this year he still is a good player. So like, I think the most respect I have for him in the sense is just like, he did what a lot of players wouldn't do in the situations that they faced. Like, you know, yeah. like they, they would, he would, he could have retired a lot earlier and cut his career a lot shorter. And with his work ethic and just like the belief in himself, like, made him able to retire like again on stage in front of the Boston breach crowd as a professional player, like getting back in the league is really hard. So like, yeah, I think, uh, I, th I think that was always like really cool to see again. So I, I have a lot of respect for him. 
And I do think though, this retirement, my personal opinion, he's going to, I think it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened for him. I think he's going to go to content. I think he's going to do CDL content and content in general. And I think he's going to make more money than he's ever made before in his life. I think he's going to be extremely successful. I think. Zin Zin City, City, gonna be yeah, like, so I, I, it might be emotional, emotional for him now. And obviously he probably doesn't even like not want to play, but I think it's going to be incredible. I think he's going to absolutely fucking kill it. So personally, I, I, I don't know. I have a lot of respect for the way he handled himself in a lot of tough situations. And now I think he's about to thrive even more. So. Just waiting for the process video with the chair and Zinni walks in and does the little blurb, you know, when he <laughs> yeah. turns optic. But yeah, no, I think for, for Zinn, I agree with you. I think uh, Zinn has set up his career nicely. And I think in terms of the same way that Tommy did it as well, like I think Azuma, like mm-hmm. Zinn, is, Zinn is set to absolutely blow up doing yes. content, whether it's CDL or other variety stuff uh, or collaborative other content. Um, so I'm excited to see what's next for him, but it's obviously... Not easy, but as we talked about earlier, I, right now, word on the street is that my guy, Benjamin Beans, is coming in. Hmm. Uh, if you guys have never met him before or, or heard him talk before, he's a funny dude, really <laughs> vibey, very talented, excited. If he's the one that they're going to call up here, he's a real talent, and him to now get a shot in the CDO, I think you guys are really going to like what you see from him. I'm um, so excited to see what's next for that squad and what's next for Zen. Yep. Uh I, again, I don't know. I know you probably watched a decent amount over the weekend. Was there a team uh, other than Thieves, maybe? But I don't know if that surprised you. Like, is there another team you thought this weekend that, like, performance-wise, Minnesota like, surprised you with how good they played? Yeah, the Rocker. Yeah, were... I think that's easy. Minnesota easily, dude. I think they played crazy. I mean, fuck, my... our match was nuts, dude. Yeah, that was an absolute banger <laughs> series that went down the. Yeah, that was round. fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, you want to know my conspiracy theory about Minnesota? It's not really conspiracy theory. Yeah, what is it? Um. I think the best thing that ever happened to him was to get food poisoning. Since what? they, well, listen, listen, hear me out. Since they had that reverse sweep, right? So they lost that series. I'm trying to remember who they lost to before they beat London. Like they looked really horrible that week. Um, and they were like down bad. I'm looking up right now. Major two qualifiers. They got three out by Boston. None of the maps were really close. Okay. And this was like right off the rip of the major two qualifiers. They didn't play well at the event. Uh, and then they got food poisoning and then they reverse swept London. And since then they've been on like kind of a roll. Like they beat you guys. They kind of uh-huh. lost to LAG, but then they beat Seattle. So they were in really good form in the qualifiers after that. And yeah, I know they had that tough series um, against you guys, but like they played, I mean, they beat New York, like they beat Optic, lost to you guys in game five and, and lost to Thieves. You made it to, um, you know, the grand final. So like they're, they're hot, and I don't know your thoughts on Benjamin Bance, but that guy at one point over the course of the weekend, the number one KD, that was crazy to see. Um, yeah, so the food poisoning thing. <laughs> I don't know if it was because of the food poisoning, man. Listen, it's but, just a team-building thing. You never know, bro. You never know. Uh, okay. Salmonella um, regain, that's good. Yeah, so sure. But um, yeah, I mean, wait. wait yeah, no, so sorry. Bance, my bad. I, I, um, I derailed you, my bad. Yeah, it's fine. It, it, it was just funny. I was not like that was the last thing I was expecting. But uh, yeah. So with Vance, I mean, dude, Vance is Vance is such a weird player, dude. Vance is like yeah. another player where like I feel like he's had like stints where like he just looks like kind of like he's struggling. He's not like super confident. And especially when I was playing, I think more when like back in the CWL days, like way back, like World War Two, I always thought like Vance was like kind of going through like a slump in his like career. He wasn't playing as well as he should have been. He's had better moments beforehand. He doesn't look that good. And then, like, I feel like when the CDL started, I guess, more, I feel like he's found such a good rhythm to, like, find his confidence and, like, you know, like for him to perform like he probably knows he can. 
on a lot more of a consistent basis. Obviously, he's not the most consistent player ever, but he's still been playing so well. And I think Vance's play style specifically, when he plays well, any team that he's on is fucking terrifying. That I, I said that at the event because I think right before we played them, before our match actually happened, when Vance is playing well, it is doesn't matter what team he's on, it is terrifying because of his play style. He makes a lot of very he makes winning plays. Vance does not get useless kills. Vance does not play to lose. Vance does not like Vance kill like it gets into hard gun fights. And when he is frying, it is terrifying. So like him playing that well was cool to see. I think he's a really good guy. And I just think in general, since like I would say like Cold War, I feel like he's found such a good mental I could be so wrong with this. I wish I would actually one day kind of want to talk to him about this. But I, I don't know what switched with him for him to become more consistent and play to the best of his ability. But like I'm telling you, I think something did. And now he is just so goddamn good, so much more consistently. And when he plays like that, they're good. So yeah, no, I, I think he's been insane. I think this 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 kind of game also fits his play style. So I think he was a really big reason why that Minnesota team was able to play so well this weekend. But uh, yeah, no, that Minnesota team in general is is definitely a scary team. I, I now am I mistaken? But I need to start. I guess I need to start going on social media more. But. Wasn't there like a lot of criticism, criticism saying that like the Minnesota team like lost or like did really bad in the offseason? Like they like they made mistakes? Or am I faded for saying that? Wasn't that uh, a thing? I feel I like people are giving them shit. The Minnesota team. I think it was LAG. I mean, I tipped the Minnesota play. I think it was Same. more like because I think they did really good. I think their team right now is very good, is my point, is what I was gonna uh, get to. As a franchise, for like whatever, Pat Pat says some BS according to people in the oh, chat. Oh, Pat said it, so maybe my... maybe that's why it got talked about. I, no, I was genuinely and... curious. I didn't know, because I... Aix is, Aix is a rocker hater. Oh. Okay. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he okay. doesn't like the team, but, you know, Pat's edgy, so take that for what it is. Okay. Uh, You know, my thoughts on on rocker, you know, going the offseason is, like, they, they were horrifically bad last year at Respawn. Yes. And they were horrifically bad at respawn the year before outside of major five and champs. And they were horrifically bad at respawn once COVID hit and they lost for like two months, three months straight. Mm -hmm. So getting more, getting a team to actually fit the system on how they wanted to play respawn. Cause watching them play Harpoon last year was just the worst. Uh, they swung for all the big free agents. They brought in Afro They brought in Cammy and Ben. They kept Dylan. I mean, we had Brett diamond. Who's a COO of rocker on our set. Uh, on Saturday, yeah, Brett's a good and he dude. said their number one priority offseason was to keep Dylan, mm. and then they kind of built around that. Um, and uh, you know, I think it's I think it's improved their respawn. They're not still yet like an elite hardpoint team, but uh, people may know this. You know, statistically, who's the best control team in the game right now in matches? Is it is it them? I know they're eight and zero in a silo, right? I, they're they're the they're the best. They're the best control team, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of wild. They've control. they figured out their bread and butters in that, um, and and their S and D's pretty good. I mean, any one of these bands cami teams have always been gritty search teams. They don't always win the round eleven scheme fives, but they take people to distance and they get to the couple of kills that matter. And sometimes they get them, sometimes they don't. Mm -hmm. And obviously, in the series where you guys played them, you guys basically went to that mark. Yep, and you guys clutched up. Yep, uh, but I like the moves that Rocker made. I think Afro, you know. I think Afro's nasty. Weird... Yeah, I mean, I've been gassing him. Some people said that Tom, like, some people have been kind of iffy on our show about gassing him. I don't know why, because, like, he clearly has it. I think Ben definitely didn't have a good first major. I think Cam didn't have a good first major and hasn't. We haven't seen the Cammy of Cold War yet, but I think he'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I think Dylan always does his thing. So I agree with you. I think they're 
They're a very dangerous team right now in the CDL because I think there are a number of teams that have certain deficiencies, especially other top eight teams. And we'll get to those in a bit. But they're a team that like has their head screwed on right. And uh, regardless of the opponents they play, are always going to play people very close. Yeah. And I think come <clears throat> champs time, you can always expect is going to be in really good form and be a very dangerous team at that tournament. So uh, I like the moves they made in the offseason. No, so it's good so to see I. that they uh, top three at this event. Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was. I like, see. I I didn't know where that stemmed from. But that makes more sense if Pat said that on the flank or something. Because I, because bro, Pat's so edgy, man. It's just like it is what it is. You know, but makes sense to be to because uh, uh, yeah. the, 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 you have to always take what I say when it comes to like the social side of things uh, with a grain of salt. Because the most updates I usually get is my Twitch chat. So like, and it's not always like a conversation that I'm like willing to really have while I'm playing Warzone. So like, sometimes I'll just like read some shit and like I'll just like be like, oh whatever, and just like keep going. So like. I don't always get like the most accurate stuff. There was a Reddit post. I don't go on Reddit. So like I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't even know about that. But like, that's my point. So like, I don't always get the most well updated information. So that's why I kind of was asking genuinely, but you know, I, cause my, I guess what my point is, I think this Minnesota roster is very good. The one thing I will say though, is with Vance playing as well as he did, like, you know, and they did very well. They had a very good tournament. And again, they were, you know, seconds away from beating yeah. us. They played great. Like, you have to also remember now, like, you know, you have to either A, have him keep that up, which is very hard. I don't think that standard is, you know, applicable to anybody. I think that's just nuts. Like, he played fucking unbelievable. But, like, you have to remember, like, you know, they're still going to have to find some ways to improve here and there. So, like, that's not what they rely on. And obviously, I'm sure they know that. And I'm sure everyone knows that. So, like, they still have some work to do. And so, I mean, so do we. But, yeah, I think they, I think they made really good changes. I think the way they found their team makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, I, I think of super underrated player at least maybe from my point of view i don't know i don't see a lot of people talk about afro i think he's really good i think afro is a player that you need on a team you're always going to need like your super aggressor like sub to do what they do and it's one of the hardest roles to play in call of duty i think he does a pretty good a uh, pretty good job at it so i think him being on that team is always going to help them out as, as as well too so yeah i think that roster i think they did a good job in the offseason and i think they have a lot of potential obviously if they keep grinding too i mean it's still super early in the season so it was cool to see them do they're, well. Uh, they're really good at what I like to call the fortress gimmick, which is they're willing to square up with like when you with the vetoes now, right? You have five hard points, five SNDs, and you do the you do a veto in each, and you end up with three maps. Sometimes Fortress ends up as one of the three maps, and it's basically like a game of checking between the two teams that they're gonna play Fortress Control or Fortress Search, and they're a team that may pick it at times. Um and so, yeah. and they're good at it. Like they're, you know, 55%, 60% win percentage hmm. in those situations. So they're willing to play those. I mean, I don't think Fortress SD is like a cheese map, but Fortress Control is definitely a cheese map. I think like they're definitely willing to, personally, but yeah, they're definitely willing to square up on those maps. And, and, you know, um, their the win percentage is very good. Yeah. I think they probably need like one more search map they're good at because I think they're, they yeah. don't really play Mercado. Unfortunately, their Silo is not very good. In search like they need to get better at one of those maps Mercado's like, a scary like, map though dude that's uh, I feel Mercado? like a lot of, I feel like a lot of people don't play Mercado SD because it's just scary it's a, it's a map that's reliant spawns. well it's reliant on spawns and reliant yeah. like it's like it's a very scary map to play I mean there's a few cheese maps in this game in my opinion again we've talked about how close this game is to being like actually really good so we're, we're there so like we're getting there but yeah no I, I think it's just like yeah some of those maps are just kind of scary to play same thing with like Fortress SD. Like I think you can be good at Fortress SD for sure. Like obviously that there's always going to be like some you know advantage that you can get and play it better and blah 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 and teamwork. But uh yeah I, I think the way Fortress control control is the worst. But I think the way those maps play just stink. Either, either good at them or bad at them. I think they stink. But 
Yeah. There uh, is. You're definitely right. I'm going to dive in on this this week. Is like, is there any chatter about trying to get Fortress Control out and trying another map? (sighs) Not that I know of, like serious chatter. Uh, I would be. I would love to willingly try it again. Uh, I don't know. I don't. I, I just don't like when there's a map that is just like, for the most part, outside of miracles and like you know your one off offensive wins, like. There's just not enough, like, the, the defensive-sided shit is just so cheesy, dude. Yeah, it's just, like, it doesn't even become, like, who can play better control. It can be, like, if you get a two-piece grenade on offense and you get a fucking good push and you get a couple ticks, like, you kind of won the map. Like, I, it's just, like, I don't know. I don't like the way it promotes, like, that kind of gameplay. Even when we played Minnesota specifically in Fortress, like, they made a good play. Like, I'm not even, you know, there's no slight at them, but, like, them all sitting in their base playing Team Deathmatch so, like, they don't get out killed. Like, bro, like... That is not competitive. Like, yes, it is. You have to do that in that moment. Like, 100%, that's what you need to do. But that does not show you who, like, the better team is, no matter what. And, like, that's not even just for my own team, just in general. Like, I don't think that should ever get played like that. So, like, yeah, I would love to revisit something or just get another map in somehow, some way, because I, I think that'd be cool. Uh, defense versus offense on hotel control. Hotel control is offensive-sided, but... That's, yeah. that's fine though. It's good to have one map that it's, it's a flip on identity. And it's not yeah. like hard, like hotels. Jeez. No, you can win defenses. When we, when we yeah. lost optic, why I was on this podcast the last time when we lost optic, we lost three defenses and people were trying to give us the excuse. Like we outplayed optic in that series specifically because we won two offenses. They won two offenses. We got more kills than them. So AKA we outslayed them. But since we outslayed them, it actually hurt us because it's you're statistically on the better side on offense. That shouldn't be a thing either. Like I, I you know, fixing the next title, hundred yeah, percent. You know, you know my thoughts. If if you should just yeah. be able to pick it, that's the that's common sense. But I would rather again, like you have no excuse to lose three defenses on a hotel anyway. So like that's still better. Like you know, I'm, I would rather that happen than the other way around. Like we had no excuse to lose three defenses. We played our defenses wrong. Like plain and simple. That was a big learning curve for us. Like when we played those defenses wrong, like you know, we went back and adjusted it. Like that that's still better. I still think that could be more perfect, you know, if you're asking, like, the, the nerd in me. But, yeah, I, I think, like, the, the super, 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 like, 80, like, 85, 15 rate right now or whatever the fuck it is is, is so dumb. So I, w- I hope we get another map for that. Because, again, we're, like, a map or two away from being, like, in a much better spot and then, like, a couple spawn tweaks away from being in, like, a perfect spot. So, uh, Well, speaking <laughs> of uh, uh, on that front of being a map or two away, I want to talk a little bit about Optic. Um, and they had a pretty interesting weekend. My barometer of them coming to this event when the team first came, I was like, "All right, chat." Like, you know, my Twitch chat. I was like, "Okay, top six, real top six. Let's be realistic. It's a deep thing. You never know. You get top four, cool. I think expecting them to win is be really tricky." Uh, and they got top four at this event, and then I saw like social media and Reddit like freak out about this team, and like freak I kind of see out where out they're out. coming from. Because of the way they lost uh, in that final series where they Ant got caught making a pretty stupid play mm-hmm. uh, on the Fortress Control. And then same thing kind of happened to Kyler on that final P2. He basically went for a deep pinch, yeah, you know, like the green pinch P3, yeah. and they all died, and he spawned them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the decision-making on their subs is definitely an open question. But, like, talent-wise, those guys got a lot of good victories online. Like, it's there. Uh, but I just don't, like, I don't know. The fan base reaction to Optic was was definitely weird. Like people already just loved the team after this event. I was Wait, like, people are really saying that? Oh, dude, it was. Cr- I was scrolling 
Like, but who, but who is, who is saying that, bro? Wild. Let's, let's get this clear. Who is saying optic fans? The, 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 the key optic, I mean, you can see by usernames. I'm on social media and, and read enough. Like I know who's sort of the bigger optic fans. I know who these people are. And like, it's just, people were just having this big freak out about the team. And it's like, yeah, I get it. They got some things they got to work on. Like they got to get more discipline. Like that's okay. But it's obvious optic fans. Like, how do I say this? Not like, like. Optic fans that watch COD every day, or just like the optic fan that turns on the stream like once a week. Like, no, they, these are people that watch, but they're like reactionary to stuff. Like, it's it's like, bro, like you need to give, dude. This team just formed three weeks ago. Like, asking them to blow it up after they just got top four is ridiculous. Like, that is, but yeah. They even if fine. they've got obvious things they got to work on, bro. Getting getting top four in this era is good. Can't win every event. Well, I was so what I was about to add on top of that is like. I mean, fuck, you're looking at someone that can't win every event. Like, bro, we had a we had a super long stretch of obviously constant failure. You know what I mean? Like consistent failure over and over and over again. And like that is like first of all, that's like the best part of competing is to like, you know, constantly go through that and then obviously it makes the win feel so good. That's like that's like a part of it. But like uh, that's what that's why like I again, I don't know how to say this nicely, but like or maybe they're just fucking stupid. That that's also a thing too, but bro. Do you understand how hard it is to win in like the CDL in general? Like, yeah, Thieves had a back-to-back -back win last year, which was pretty dope. They found good rhythm for sure. But before that, they didn't. You know what I'm saying? Before that, they were 0 5. They got last place. Like they looked like shit. Then they got fourth. Like, bro, like to win in the CDL in general is hard as shit. Even when you're looking really good, it's hard. Even bro, even when people talked about our Cold War teams, bro, our champs win was not easy. That final, bro, we yeah, were a couple, bro. Yeah. We were a couple seconds away from losing if MC didn't get that defuse or where the bands defuse shit. Or if I remember, like you were like, we were a couple the rounds away. We would have lost that. Control, like the garrison MC control. That, that's what I, that's what yeah. I mean, bro. Like you do not win in anything in Call of Duty anymore, and it come easy. No matter how good you look, even if you look like you're the best team in the fucking league online or whatever. Like it's so hard to just go out there and again perform and win. So like with them getting fourth, the way I looked at it, at least from like my perspective. They trolled. They played like they made two really trolly plays that cost them, in my opinion. When you watch, you know, when you watch those matches, it is what it is. It happens. That's not something to be like super upset about, in my opinion. Like I gotta stop saying that. Like, that's not that's not something to be like upset about. Like that, it happens. It's going to happen. It's it's going to happen. You're you're gonna have to learn from it, and then you're gonna have to obviously do your best not to make that mistake again. I thought they were fine. If you really want to blow up the team on that, I think that's incredibly faded it's not I like mean, they I'll got smoked they they literally yeah. basically won that series yes they didn't they made mistakes and you can't make mistakes versus optic i mean versus thieves they will obviously make you lose but i don't know you can't win every tournament it sucks it's you want to everyone wants to but you can't just win every single goddamn tournament it is so hard to do that and i think the progress they showed they were steps away from being in the final you you know who knows they they, they did get three would by Minnesota which was tough but I don't know I I think they're fine I, I don't know I think I think they're fine too they have some obvious things to work on I know people in the chat are talking about Ender's per, uh, per individual performance yeah, and definitely once well. he once he came back from Toronto it's he's been a little bit colder but that's kind of he's always been sort of a not a one one type KD guy so I don't you know there's that I think decision making on both the sub players as good as Hook and Jotzi have pace, like they both are similar players, and there's a dynamic that they need to figure out long term. I think they're mad. That also cool. makes them hard to play against, though. That's also another thing as well. Like, I, 
Yeah. I know a lot of people are saying that they have a lot of pace and they're both kind of crazy ass players, which they are. They're definitely tough. Like they're tough players to play against, in my opinion. Fuck. But uh, like, I I think that also makes them hard to play against. It's a double edged sword with them. They're so good because of that, and like sometimes they can fuck you because of that. It doesn't happen a lot, but it will. So again, I just think they need some more time to figure it out. I really don't think it's so crazy to. I don't know. And even with the Illy thing, like, yeah, he, he played fucking bad. Okay. So does every player in the fucking league sometimes. If he, if it continues, they, they if it continues, yeah, yeah, no, the, 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 the recipe for success is not for Ender to drop a 1.2 with, with, with the, with the team that they have that team specifically, the recipe for success, at least from an outside looking in again, I'm not in their camp is not for Illy to go and drop fucking 85 billion kills. That's not what they want to do that. Like, and if you think that you're a fucking idiot, but it's just in general, like he played bad. Like it, it happens. Like that's a part of the process of winning is playing bad. Like it's part of the process of figuring it out. Players hit players hit cold streaks because their, their confidence is low and they're trying to figure it out. That happens in every competition of everything. You're going to play bad and you're going to figure it out. And then you're going to play good. Again, there's obviously sometimes where if it's super consistent, maybe you need to make a change, but I don't even think they're close to that yet. I, don't I know. think on the slaying point, Chris, like they're also just not slaying that well. Okay, their hard point game is really weird right now. Yeah, they are. They're they're not slaying. They're like kind of like thieves. Like they're playing these hard points close. It's usually because some other team is going off. The rest of the team's not like really winning their singles. Um, and so they've got this weird dynamic where they're like clutching up some crazy maps, like the hotel against you guys online, the the hydro against Boston at this event. Mm -hmm. But they're also getting smoked like they did against Minnesota when the tactics aren't in place. So I think like for optic, I don't see them making a change. Uh I do think that they have some obvious issues. I think not having Rambo in their camp is obviously a little bit of a limiter from a voice standpoint. It's just JP, it seems like right now. I don't know if they're gonna bring anybody else this week to kind of help. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they've got some stuff working for them. Like, they've got a really tricky major three schedule. they got to play LAG, Toronto, Minnesota, New York, and you guys. This major three qualifier schedule. But I expect them to we get play, three. We play Optic again? I yeah, you play Optic again. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I haven't looked at the schedule but, yet. Yeah, yeah but, uh, or Saturday or whatever. But, like, anyway, like, they're also going to play in front of a home crowd. So, like, if they, they've got a month to basically figure it out. If they go to major three, and again, it's somewhere like, Decision making issues and the map, the map pool is still mm -hmm. super narrow. And I would really love to see Ender not have to sniper out every round in MSC SND because I think he's just handicapping himself uh, on both offense and defense. Like, if they can fix some of that, like they're going to have a really good shot on Sunday at major three. If they get like top six at that event, then we can kind of reopen this conversation about, yeah, is, of is course, the best team comp for them. But see, I agree. Like that's like that's where you start like having more of a conversation of that for sure. If it gets to that point, I, I agree. They're like you. two months then into the team, and we can there's also there's also just so much to it. Again, like they're also a very weird team because I know we just talked about how like you know coaches aren't end all be all right, and you know you have to perform as a player too. I do think coaching helps a lot. So I that's also like they're a weird team. I think you know not having Rambo right now. Again, I don't know what the fuck happened with that situation in general so maybe it's a good thing for him maybe it's a bad thing who the fuck knows but it's they have a lot of time to figure it out and i think they're going to i i just think you know you go to that conversation say hypothetically 
who do you get rid of? Like you have to remember, like you people just want change all the time. They did this with with LA Thieves last year too. Everyone yeah. wanted LA Thieves to blow it up. Everyone want Octane dropped. Octane dropped. Octane dropped. Octane sucks. All this fucking bullshit. Blah 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 blah. And now everyone loves Sam now because he's good, and you know it's the same people that hated Sam now they love him. Like people wanted Octane dropped last year for fucking who? You remember when I used to say this to you, Ben? It's the same thing. It's like you have to remember. Yeah. with your options of who you're going to get. You don't just make changes to make fucking changes. That's where it makes no sense. You have to look at the potential of players. And again, that's where I, why, what, personally why I think coaching is very important and clearly a little biased. But even as a player myself, I always used to think this, like, how are you going to get the best potential out of, if we're using Inder for this, I think he's completely fine. But if you want to use him in this example... How are you going to get the best out of him? Because the best out of Ender is probably a lot better than every single one of the options that you can get. Realistic options, not just let's go get this guy. You know what yeah, I mean? Not, let's not spread. Yeah, it. let's I mean, just let's just let's, friend, but why like, don't they just go get Octane? Yeah. exactly. You're not going to just go get fucking Octane from LA Thieves. Like, so it's the same thing. Like, you have to remember the potential and all that stuff too. Like, that's where I think organization. And support and all that come into handy as getting the best potential out of your players. And a lot of the time, that potential at that, you know, at that peak is usually better than most of that. And I would rather take my chances, at least from my perspective, to get that out of the players and just make some bullshit change. So I don't know. But again, I don't not saying like I don't know what happened with Rambo or anything, so I don't know what the fuck happened with that. But that's also a big thing to look at when you're looking at changes. Like you don't just go to the challenger seat and be like, I'm just gonna get this guy for this guy and that's it. Like, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think all, people are so faded with some of their takes, the way they, the way they treat it. It's like, bro, it's one fucking major. I, I, I agree. Know. I will stick my neck out on this though. I do Go think they're it. going to have a, I think where they're going to realize in the middle of the season mm -hmm. is I think JP at certain strengths. And obviously I love to see JP thriving and off the game. He's my boy. Known him for a long time. I think they're going to realize very quickly though. Once they get to the middle of the season that they need some more people in their camp to help assist them with the progression of the team. I can speak on this and too. Right, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. And, and right now is there's a train going by. So if you hear any rumbling, I hear you know, it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think they're going to, they're going to need, I'm not saying they need to get a head coach. I just think like maybe someone to help with search or maybe uh, someone that can really help them like review VOD and practice and kind of help them with the 50, 50 stuff that always comes up situations that you kind of uh, run into for the first time. They might need more people in there because uh, it will kind of help them with sort of the lack of correct decision making they have as a squad. It might hinder them in real matches uh, with Ray out of there. But like you know, to you to your point, like I don't know what went on there. You know, I know Ray pretty well. Like I'm not. I think in the off season, I'll, I'll then feel comfortable to kind of dive in with him on it. I don't really think even then. Ray's a pretty protected guy. I don't think even if I asked him right now, given the story, like I don't think he's going to. Yeah, um, I mean, I, yeah, I would never, but. To speak to well, what yeah, you said, I, mean, I don't to think your there's point, one person there's, that there's, can do there's that. No, like, there's no silver bullet option out there that they can just bring in tomorrow <laughs> and make their team better. Like People will say, oh, Cap's well, yeah, like Cap, Cap's good. You know, he's a good good yeah. sub player, but like, is that is that going to help these other systemic issues? You know, yeah, you can try. They try to get prepped. Wait, get, well, what, it, get Capsital for Illy? That it, I'm just saying hypothetical. No, no, but, same players. but what does that fix? Uh, what well, the cap, fuck does that I would, fix? I would not get cap really because the problem is if they're going to replace Ender, you got to move Bruce to sort of your full-time AR role. And so they need someone to be a third sub flex player. So it wouldn't be cap. You would be looking at like 
a Kremp or you'd be looking at um, Dan Ghosty type deal uh, to maybe put in that spot. But even then, you know, Optic is never, I can't remember, Chris. Can you remember Optic Gaming? Like, I'm going way back. We're not even talking CDL. Like, have you ever, have they ever picked up a Challengers player or a player, like an amateur player straight up that wasn't just on like a mid-level pro team? I can't think of any. Uh, I don't think so. To be fair, they probably. I mean, pro loot wasn't a pickup. Pro loot was a sub. I that that was um, they they literally yeah, that wasn't like, a pickup no choice. Yeah, that was that uh, was envoy. Envoy was on. Uh, envoy was on Gen G when they picked he's, him up. He's talking about like literally like getting rid of someone and then putting them immediately on the starting roster. Like pro loot only played because he. Well, like he needed to. Pro it's still good. He obviously is still the pro. Well, they thought he was going to be a temp sub. Yeah, like they yeah, him up yeah, and then yeah. Some shows a week. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah, a, it's a it's a different scenario. Uh, Dashi from World War II. He was a pro. Like obviously he wasn't a big name, huge pro yet, but he was he was, was, a he was on a pro team. team. Yeah, he was yeah. on. Like he was he was pretty good. That wasn't as much of a risk. I mean, are you trying to say like have they taken a risk in a sense of like the no big no? Risk? What, I, what I'm saying is I'm trying to back up your point, which is um, like. Yeah, which is like they're not. There's not an obvious option out there that they're gonna pull the trigger Literally, on. Wait, hold up. Today they did not grab Jaws and Hollow. Optic Gaming in 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 MW was not. A, that's not Optic. That's fake Optic. That that's was not Slasher's optic. optic. Yeah, that was not. That was not the actual Optic. Optic. <laughs> yeah, that they do not count. Uh, no. Yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't even think it needs to be that because again, that's a huge fucking risk. You understand how big of a risk that is. Like and yeah. also that's a, even a bigger risk. Uh, this maybe might be a fade to take for me, but that's even a bigger risk in the sense of you're picking up a fucking amateur like that and throwing him in front of the optic fan base. If he yeah. starts off with, if you start off with that fucking that that roster and you replace Illy, hypothetically, again, I don't think this is even. I can't even believe we're talking about this, but we're just bored right now. If we're gonna replace Illy with someone like that, if they go zero and two or one and one or one and two. That guy, if he has any kind of social media, is going to get dragged through the UFC. It would just be fucking, it would just be ridiculous. And like, then, then you're also taking a huge risk. Can he even deal with that? You know what I mean? Not even like yeah. the, the risk of like, can we develop him into being like a really good player or whatever he is? It would be like, can he deal with that too? There's so much other shit that goes to it. But yeah, no, I, I don't think we're at that conversational point yet at all. I think. It's more about getting the best out of your players. I think Illy still has a lot of potential to play really well. So I think right now, currently, I think it's a little insane to even be talking about it. But uh, to go back a little bit, JP, I don't think there's one person in this league that can coach a team by themselves as well. I personally think that's insanity. It's, I, uh, it's too. It's too much, bro. You're you're, yeah. you're you you've, you. There's a lot of responsibilities between managing the team. Uh, keeping track of your scrim results and like having the time to really dive in on it, watching VOD. But a lot of that like stuff is, practice. bro, a yeah. lot of that stuff is not like, again, it all depends on the players that you're working with. Certain players make it a little bit easier when it comes to like watching VOD and all that stuff. Some people don't, you know, it really depends on it, the, the specific scenario. But in general, like watching VOD and teaching the team and stuff is also, is very important. But like, that's why you need a staff because there's so much more that goes, there's so much more that goes into coaching than that. It, and, and I think that is like the stuff that a lot of people don't see. And I think not one person can do all of that when it comes to the analyst work alone is super annoying. Right. And you have to have that done and like super important in my opinion. I think our analyst does an incredible job. Like I can't, I can't 
can I, I I could speak about how important our analyst is for the rest for the rest of this podcast. Talk about Easy Mac, right? Yes, yes. There's also like the mental side of things and everything else like that you have to worry about. Then there's the philosophy. Then there's the team chemistry bullshit that you have to make sure you know the you have management, to. Yeah. I mean, bro, I think a huge issue with a lot of teams, probably even like back in the day when you know when there were no coaches, like you know when I first met you, like teammates resent each other. It doesn't get talked about. You know, it starts to obviously like kind of linger into the team. You know, like, and then all of a sudden it explodes out of nowhere. One day, it just you know, like that that you have to try and negate that as much as possible. Like, there is a billion things that go into coaching and a coaching staff and managing a team that, like, cannot be done one one person. I don't care who you think it is. I mean, I've talked I I I've talked to this about Cap. Like, when Cap was by himself, that dude that had to be one of the hardest. Sh- like, dude, I used to talk to him all the time. That is hard as fuck. You know what I mean? Like, I think Shane helped them out a lot when they got Shane. And it wasn't even, like, in the sense that Shane's, like, you know, God himself. Like, he is really good at what he does. But, like, it's just no one can do it by themselves, dude. So, I, I personally think, like, yeah, JP, as incredible of what he does, he's one of the best at what he does. I have a lot of respect for him. No, no, there is no one man that could do that. So, I do think if, like, they are going down the route of, like, thinking it's all on JP, I think that's unfair to him. Well, well, you, I mean, we haven't talked about RJ. I know RJ's probably watching this. Uh, RJ, like my, like our RJ? Yeah. What about Yeah, it? yeah I mean, like, I'm like, you kind of, you and RJ have some, I mean, obviously you've got an S&D coach. You've got, you got Easy Mac, but RJ's also another member of your staff that you can split responsibility with. Split. I think RJ's the best coach of all time, bro. I, you know that. I have, I'm biased because RJ is obviously, you know, I've worked with him for so long. I've worked against him. As well, when he was, you know, when like he when you we these, the, yeah. Phase, yeah. I, and he, I mean, he was my personal. His whole the whole story with him is like I hired him out of my own pocket in World War II before champs. I think it was like five hundred dollars a month. You're uh, so bad because, at <laughs> Fuck you, Ben. Anyway, <clears throat> I mean it's true though. It's, you sorry, suck bro, at hard point, Ben. I don't want to hear it from you. All right, you're yeah, dog but, shit. But you, but you guys, you guys I, listen. I don't care that you 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 suck. All right, Ben. Let, anyway, all right, regain, so regain. Man. No, seriously though, I was actually shit at hard point, and we were we were fucking we were bad at hard point. But myself, I didn't feel like I was playing well enough. And going to champs, I obviously wanted to have the most potential to not cost my team at champs. So I hired him as like my own personal coach to watch my gameplay every day and help me get better. And like now he's obviously coaching with me, but yeah, I think RJ is one of the smarter minds or smartest minds as well up there with like cap and shit when it comes to like how to play Call of Duty. I think he's really good at his job. I think he's almost too passionate about, you know what I'm saying about it in the sense, which is a really good thing. So yeah, again, I don't think I'd be able to coach nearly as well as I do without him. I, I've, the amount of value I have in the people that work with me, like, you know, even though I get a lot of the credit as the head coach, like I wouldn't be it's not possible without any of them they're they're incredible so like yeah i i truly i i can't i can't even put in the words how fucking important rj is and the rest of them like it's just insane like RJ, i think rj is one of the best coaches in the league so yeah i think he's not even split i think he is so fucking important to our team so well i think 100%. we can wrap on the yeah. on the optic coach thing i think that'll <laughs> be a thread yeah. that will unravel or, or we'll pull on it in future weeks I want to talk about some other teams because I, I know that we, we could talk about the bottom four teams, but we talked a little bit about Seattle, but I think Paris, London, uh, or, or rather Vegas, London, and Florida. Um, yeah. I think our conversation for the next episode because we need to see what, I think those teams may, some of them might make a change. Yeah, we have to um, kind of wait and see. Yeah. 
You know, two teams I want to talk about. One is New York. Mm -hmm. They got top eight this event, but they also like had the weirdest of experiences uh, at this event. We haven't talked about it yet, but like everyone that came from Dallas essentially had travel issues getting to Boston uh, because of a massive ice storm that went through Texas and people's flights got canceled and subsequently like the luggage got delayed and, and, and New York in particular had hit the worst. Most of the teams were able to get in late on Tuesday. But they didn't get in until Wednesday, and so they didn't actually have a, a full down Wednesday to practice. I think they even lost. I don't know how players in their team did this because I think this is ridiculous. They they put their controllers in their checked luggage instead of putting it on the carry on. So like when they got to the event, when they no, got that's to Boston, yeah, I think that's trolling. It's no, that's trolling. not troll. That's unacceptable. That is. Listen, I don't care what anyone says. As a player myself, if there's one thing that always came on the plane with me, it was my goddamn controller. Plain and simple. I would never check in my controller for that reason. I think that is the most avoidable mistake ever. Obviously, you know, it is what it is. Like, that doesn't cost you the tournament. But, like, that's so crazy to me that, that that's a thing. I would never do that, bro. I don't trust any, any airline with my baggage ever, dude. That's, like, the one thing you need. You, you don't need anything else, bro. You need that controller, especially if you don't have a backup, too, or whatever. So, yeah, I, I think that is faded. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> they dealt with all they dealt with all those issues. Um, and then I even like I want to tip myself a little bit for this little bit of ego check. But like uh -huh. even prior to all that, I thought the New York the Minnesota draw was gonna be a bad matchup for them because New York wasn't playing the best S and D going into the tournament. And in game five, I was like, eh, Rocker might get this. And they actually ended up being New York. New York played London. They they were not you know London's not on their level, but their next matchup was against Thieves, and they got railed. Uh, pretty hard in that. So New York got top eight after getting first at uh, major one. Do you think New York's going to rebound for major three? They're going to play a little bit better. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't think like you know they they played bad or whatever. They got the the placing they got. Like the placing also doesn't always tell the whole story. So what their exact run? What, what was it again? They beat London. Oh, so they lost to Minnesota. Uh, but like game yeah, five, they, and then they, they beat London. Lost, so lost it's like, years. of course you have to beat the best to be the best, right? We know that. But yeah, like they played, if I remember correctly, they played a pretty close 3-0 though. Like they right with the first map, like New York absolutely tossed for thieves, right? It was ho hotel. They were up 190 to something. Their comms sounded incredible. I actually texted my assistant, RJ, my assistant coach saying like New York's comms sound fucking flawless right now. I thought they sounded really calm. And then they kind of threw that map. That was the first map, if I remember. And then yeah. I think I was watching on my phone or something. I don't even remember. But regardless... They played a pretty close 3-0. I know a 3-0 is a 3-0, but they played some pretty tough teams and they fell short and didn't execute. And yeah, they got eighth, but I don't think that means they're the eighth place team in the league. You know, I think that's something to look at. So I don't think they got smoked. I think they can bounce back. And again, I even think when they won the tournament, what were they online? Were they 3-2? Were they 3-2 online? Uh, I don't remember I their exact shit. So, because they were fourth seed, so I think they were three, and three two. and two as well. They were one of the yeah. I mean, two, you yeah. guys, you guys beat them, and they Whoa. lost to I don't remember who their other loss was. Oh, Seattle. Uh, they lost Seattle. Okay, so yeah, but again, like three and two is fine. Again, the online shit doesn't matter in the sense as long as you make winners. We talked about that, but like they were three and two, so they weren't looking like you know incredible, like first place, like whatever. And what I was just saying before, when you win a tournament, it's very easy to forget how hard that win was. And, like, yes, they did win one major, but that does not mean they're invincible and, like, you know, everything was, like, you know, 
sunshines and rainbows and they just won that shit and they're going to go on and roll everybody else. Like, it's going to be really hard to go back to back no matter who you are. So, like, I think they're fine. I think they hit a really hot streak on Sunday and they showed what they were capable of a major one. And they're obviously capable of winning at a very good pace. Like, they're a very good team. But they just ran into some tough matches and things didn't go their way. Like, I wouldn't be tweaking if I was New York at all. I think they're fine. I still think they're a top team. And I think they should keep the same confidence. Like, I, I think they're completely chilling. I, the I, really, only, uh, I don't know. The only thing I'll say with New York is that I agree with you. I think they are going to rebound. But unfortunately, in this major cycle, the only S&D map where they were able to register wins on was the CeeLo. They had three wins. Mm. The rest of the other maps, I believe they had, they went 0-5. They went 0-2 in Embassy, 0-1 in Fortress, 0-1 in Hotel, 0-1 in Mercado. So their S&D was yeah, really, work on uh, yeah. yeah, their search was really poor. Uh, this major cycle ended up being 3-7. and seven. Mm. But the hard point was good, and yeah, the control and, was good. And that's gonna, yeah. and again, that's going to happen. You're going to have your ups and downs in the process of, being the best team that you can be, right? So it's like, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think it's anything to like, you know, panic about. They know what they're capable of. I think they just have to go to the drawing board and try and fix some stuff here and there. But uh, I have something, I don't know if this is true, so I'm going to bring this up with a grain of salt. The home event can decide the schedule of matches, apparently. What does that have to do with anything, though? Didn't they... Wait, what do you mean the home event can decide the schedule Wait. of matches? So because they got in late and shit, and they were first match, right? They were first match, right? It was them versus Minnesota first, yeah. right? So yeah. you're saying like they were pissed off because they didn't get this play on Wednesday, so they wanted to play like last or some shit? Is that... We already talked about Rocker Alpha. But, uh, this, is the first I'm, this is the first I'm hearing about it. I don't think Boston... Is that true? Gets, it doesn't sound true. It doesn't sound true to me. Like, I would assume there was a conversation... Like there had to be a conversation like that had to be brought up. They get in Thursday morning or they get in super late on Wednesday. Um, so I love if, if, if you guys have clips or whatever, uh, I mean, we'll take a look at it, but um, I'm curious, like mm. kind of if, you know, the league just held the line on the schedule to schedule. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it does, that, that situation does suck. I'm not going to say it doesn't like, I would be obviously upset if we couldn't make it there and like, but that's just kind of sometimes life. Just you know, it just doesn't go your way. Like you know, I mean, like it just. Sucks, oh, so know, Austin, like, I see. What, I see what you're saying. Okay, what? so I can speak on this. Okay. So yes, so the home team. Uh -huh. So right, so home team can decide in that winners round one or even the losers round one which time that they want their match to be. The league does that as a favor, right? Oh because really? I didn't know that. To, okay. Well, I'll explain why. Because there's yeah. a there's a legitimate reason for it, which is you want to make sure the room is full with your home fans. Uh, you know, some, some people like don't, you know, you don't necessarily want your home match. Your first home match should be one thirty on Thursday, like yeah. totally understandable. And then this should, the schedule kind of shuffles from there. So maybe New York felt like, you know, because Steve's and optic played last, you're going to kind of want that one. You really should be, you guys were second. They kind of got the short of the stick by having the first match on top of the travel issues. But like, my question is, I'm just not here with, here's what Troy said. On Tommy's stream, did he say that they tried to reopen that conversation? And like, they got shut down? On Wednesday, and it got shut down? Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I wonder how that works. Because that's what we were, we, we kind of had a conversation about that, too. Like, what the hell happens if, like, New York just doesn't get here? They surely just can't forfeit. But, like, if they can't get here until Friday, like, the, the show must go on. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it was like, they we can only move so many matches. Yeah, but exactly. Like, but I guess, like, since they could have probably moved that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's well, kind of. I would say, like, again, I don't have the full, you know, the situation. I think the home team being able to decide their first match and what time it is, is a 
I think that's a fair request from the league. Um, because again, you want to make sure the room's full. Everybody benefits if the room is full. Hmm. I know there are teams in the past that have expressed annoyance at events at always being teams playing last, and so they've tried their best to sort of mix things up. Yeah. Um, so that people aren't always because because playing last match I think is tough, like schedule wise. Um, always playing at six. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm just curious. I, I don't know if like there was a conversation on Wednesday when they were there having Toledo issues, or do we like switch yeah. matches around? And then no, yeah, up- I didn't know that. Yeah, not sense. that I think it would have really changed. Again, I I'm not a big my- believer in that. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a huge believer in like you know that changes everything. Like at the end of the day, as a competitor, like. You should be able to kind of just like show up and like do your thing. It does suck. I'm not saying it doesn't. It I mean, does suck. Last round on embassy. It's like I don't, yeah. It, at the end it, of the day, kind of all around. It does suck for sure. Not having that warm up day. That warm up day is important and everything. But honestly, sometimes shit just doesn't go your way. And like it was major too. Like that, that does suck. But yeah, I didn't even know that was a thing. I guess it would have been the best if they could have if they revisited that conversation and that conversation got su- shut down. That kind of stinks. Just because it would have been like. Like nice, but I don't think that's a big enough excuse to do, yeah, you know, like to do that. Like again, they also then went to losers bracket. They won a match and then they lost a match, and is what it is. I I don't think it's anything to blow up over, at all. Like in the sense of emotionally, all and also just as New York, I think they're fine. I think you know it was unfortunate for them. It happens to the best of every team. Like you know, things don't always go that oh, these ways. I see what Austin's what? saying. So apparently Troy said this. So let's talk about. Oh, I can talk about this. On this topic. Yeah. Two things on this topic because I know what your second one's going to be. But let's <laughs> talk about this one first. Yeah. So apparently, what Troy was saying, according mm-hmm. to Austin, our chat, Austin Marty, mm-hmm. that he he was annoyed at the way that Friday works, which is you play all losers round one games and then yes. you play one team, two teams have to play a loser round two match. So yes. New York had to play early, mm-hmm. Thieves played later, and then Thieves had a shorter wait, whereas New York sat around all day. Um, yeah. Because of the loser situation. So, I kind of agree that it's a little bit of a funky quirk of the schedule and having to fit all the matches on the calendar, which is a little unideal for New York in that situation now. So, yes, I definitely think, uh, you know, you know what I'm about to say. I think everyone in the chat does too. But I do think that should be avoided as much as possible. I know I didn't, I did not know that Boston or the home team can choose their matches and shit. I actually didn't know that. And lose around one, two again, which is interesting. So, yeah, so whatever. But, I do think that should be avoided as much as you can because I think sitting around for three matches while another team doesn't kind of just ass. The only thing I guess to be devil's advocate with this one, did they not like it sat? It, what was it? It was Friday. Yeah. So they had warm up scrims. They should yeah, have they had. Plenty. To, yeah. So sitting around still sucks. It definitely still sucks. Sitting around still sucks, but it's not nearly as bad as like what we had to fucking do in the final day, in my opinion. But it does. Like I think that should be avoided as much as possible. So I do think that is kind of trolly, and I don't think that should happen. I I think they should try. I guess the way I'm trying to word this in the simple terms is the competitive integrity of matches and shit should always be prior priority as much as it can. And then going into what I just said with that, I think with the way the finals format and the Sunday format is is fucking awful. I think I think us playing our winners finals match and winning it. I don't think there's an excuse. If we lost the thieves, I would not be sitting here saying, Oh, it's cause we waited. I would not have been saying that we would have lost fair and square. There's no fucking excuse at the end of the day. Show the fuck up and play your goddamn game. 
Thieves having momentum had no excuse for us to lose, right? That's like, I, do I think that should be even considered? No, I think that's really stupid that that's a possibility. And I think it could be more competitive, but at the end of the day, it's not the excuse for it. But we should not play a winner's match, win it, and then it's almost a disadvantage to win that match. Almost. It's goddamn, it's, it's goddamn near pretty close. So I don't think that should be like that for the future of tournaments. I've said this th while we've lost these matches, while we've won, I've won on both sides of this for a long, long time in the CDL. It makes zero sense. Why? It does, like, there, there's no warm-up scrims on a Sunday because every team's eliminated. And you're also kind of all potentially playing each other. So you don't really warm each other. It's kind of weird, you know? So you, you literally sit, we sat in that little square PPA room for four or five hours, just chilling. Playing 2v2s or no 2v2s? I mean, kind of, but a 2v2, dude, a 2v2 is not comms, warm up scrims, spawn knowledge, yeah. spawn situations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So like, you cannot, like that cannot be a thing. It makes no fucking sense why the losers, the losers is not the first match of the day. It should not be winner's finals first match of the day. But, uh, well, what? you want to know my thoughts, I think. So, what? I have, I have, so the flip side of that, with winner's finals being first, is that then if a team loses winner finals, they don't have to like instantly play again a team from losers. You know wait, what I mean? Wait. Like, so, so you're saying the way losers was, have to play back to back? So, yeah. So, back in the CWL era, which I prefer this, by the way, I'm not trying to justify because I 100% agree with you. I think they need to yeah. put it back the way it was. It used to be loser semis, winner's finals, loser's finals, grand finals. So, if you lost winner's finals, you had to instantly play losers finals. So you get the quick regain and get back into it. And like a lot of teams definitely got like double round in that situation. Good. But to your point, like I feel like since the beginning of the CDL, like <laughs> the team that wins winners finals in all these tournaments is continuously get screwed because you don't really have a major advantage in the final series. There's no like extra map advantage in the best of nine. There's some veto advantage now in the best of seven. Like no, there's not. you don't have to comment on this, but like in that thief series, you ended up I mean, getting yes. the to play their two worst maps at the end of that series. So but that's, that's not an advantage. That's Thieves not yeah. being a complete team. Just like I said yeah. before in the first podcast that we did, you have to be a complete team. And I'm not saying we are either. We have weaknesses. I'm not sitting here saying we're complete and they're not. That's not what I'm getting at this. My point is, they got fucking two vetoes too. Bro, like, the fact that... The fact that the loser's team even has that choice, like, you don't have... Like, yes, you have a slight veto advantage. In my opinion, in order to win a tournament... You have to be a complete team. So the veto advantage is not enough of an argument to me at all. And really quick, to, before we go deep, deeper into this, Ben, if you lose a team, I'm not roasting you, but I'm just saying, if you're the win, so if you, if you do like, you know, oh, you don't want the loser's team to play twice in a row, then don't fucking lose. Why are, we, ca why are we catering yeah. the teams that fucking lose? Why? Don't lose. It's, it's, a, it's a weird decision. I'd love to know, because people call me a suit, guys. Just so you're aware... Chris and I agree on this. I don't know. Yeah, why yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm not roasting I'm you. I'm sorry. Yeah. Argument. I personally need to get it back to the way it was because I think that the, this is, I've been banging this drum on the flank for like a year plus since they made this change about how dumb I thought it was. And now, and everyone complains every single event about it. And I don't know why they I've been doing it for two it. fucking years. The only thing I can think of is like, they're trying to maybe account for getting early viewership. If like a good team's making a loser's run they want to open the day with that matchup. But again, we're just now like prioritizing viewership over competitive I, and, integrity considerations. And like, I don't know how I feel about that in this situation. Well, I see. And okay. Trying to take the competitor out of me for a second. 
I see where they're coming from with the viewership and the broadcast. It's obviously very important because that is also very important to the league surviving and doing well. I get it. But, like, bro, I just don't understand, like, like if that's the argument, like, I don't think it's enough. I think it should still, I don't think it's that big of a difference, I guess, to doing it. Because the winner's finals match is usually, usually, not always, but usually the big match of the tournament, right? That's the one that yeah. gets to the finals. That's usually the two best teams. Most of the, not always, but a lot of the times that winner's final team that loses tried and it ends up clawing back into the finals, whatever. But that's like the big match. I don't think that should happen first anyway. I feel like why not ramp the viewership up? I'm sure there's statistics and shit. So again, I could sound like an idiot to the, like if any of them are watching right now, they probably know so much more about like the actual stats of like viewership shit. But I just think the competitive side of that should matter more. And to your point with like losers finals have to play twice in a row. Don't if don't fucking lose. Don't like why, we, why are we living in a world where like we're cater like who gives a fuck about the losers bracket? Like you're in there for a reason because you lost. Don't lose. Like you should not be catered to because you lost. Like I feel like that's like insane to me. And on top of that, I wouldn't be as upset about all of this to be completely honest with you if they want to do that. But I still think it's unacceptable that we're st- what the fuck is why is why are you not one up uh, up one zero in a best of nine or a best of seven? Why? Wait, bro. I have said this since Cold War. I said this actually since MW Champs when we actually were down 0-1. When we went to MW Champs online, it was COVID, blah, 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 and Dallas Empire was up 1-0 for being through the winner's bracket, that is how it should have been. They deserve to be up 1-0 against us, and they deserve to have a fucking advantage. We deserve to be in the loser side of that, and we did not beat them when it mattered. They started up 1-0. I don't understand how we're still playing anything in this fucking league where there is no point of winning in winner's bracket. And the vetoes well, are not good enough. Dude, the veto, the bro, nowadays too, you get two fucking vetoes. You get the veto two maps. They, they got your embassy SD out of there. Like it was the That's, best of nine. So, so what the, play exactly. So what the fuck is the point? If if we didn't even get to play our best SD in the final and we went through the winners. Well, here's what, the other competitive integrity thing, Chris. What, I don't get it. Mentioned yet, is like so this, and it's it, the same problem now exists in challengers. And this is sort of an interesting combo is like every other team in the tournament. It's an opportunity to, to like you lose once and you're not out. Unless you start and losers round one. Yeah, bro. If you, if you win in winners finals, you lose once. We, I, we did it. We, we did it last year. We beat Boston <laughs> in uh, Minnesota. I want to say whatever. And then we lost to LAG. LAG beat us. They deserve to beat us. They, we kind of got smoked. You know, we didn't play well in that final. We did whatever. But we only lost once at that tournament, right? And we and we yeah. got the same result, but second. Again, I don't think we deserve to win that. The whole whatever, but still, my it just it doesn't make sense on why. Like, I feel like they've tried to do everything to strip the winners of anything. There's just no point. Like, it makes no sense. Like, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. Because even imagine hypothetically, we lost LA Thieves four three because they they had that momentum and they they won that mercado like they envoy had that crazy three piece and we lost three four like that's insane to me that 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 could happen you know what i mean like i don't know i i just think there's no argument in my mind to why you don't start up 1-0 i don't think there's any other team in this league that would even disagree with it it makes no sense to me best of seven start up 1-0 and just play six maps oh best of, I, or best of nine i don't give a fuck it's just there has to be something for the winner to do unless the winners could literally pick out every goddamn map 
that they want to play in a row. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. We didn't get to play our best S&D in there. We didn't get to play this. Like, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, it, it, the loser's bracket team, like, there's really, even when we lost at New York, and we've been through losers and shit too, like, if we won, we literally all lost that New York match, and we're like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. If we just win one more match, we're in the final, and there's no disadvantage. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> that should not be the mentality. That yeah, should they, not be the they, mentality. They got to find something different. I'm seeing a lot of ideas in the chat, like, yeah, two best of fives is how they did it back in the, in a day, and it obviously solves your lose twice situation. The only thing, again, I'm just presenting the argument on it. Yeah, of course. The only problem from a league or viewership side is when you do two best of fives, viewership decreases Always. over the course of the second best of five. So from yes. a numbers standpoint, you lose a. But fall. that makes now, sense. I don't know though. in the era of of watch parties if that still exists. Mm -hmm. People have talked about continuation series, but that's I a, don't like that. Uh, I say audience, it's, that becomes a very weird audience education problem. You might not be able to overcome. It becomes a little confusing. Um, so there's not a lot of amazing solutions, but there's like small yes, there is. that they should do right now. Yeah, like the the map advantage. I, didn't they do that in Challengers at the beginning of the year? I don't yeah, I'm pretty sure in Challengers Cups, don't you start up 1-0 in the best of seven? You should. Or was, that, or was that the breaking point next tournament that did that? I don't remember. One of the Challengers <laughs> tournaments this year did it. Uh, I like that. I mean, the, the two best of five thing in my, like the competitive standpoint, yes. From the viewer standpoint, I do agree. It actually, I, I, the second best of five, a lot of people get confused. They leave. They don't understand if that really hurts your viewership. Okay. But there's a solution. It's been done before. It's not that fucking hard. Just put the winning team up 1-0. It makes no sense why you're not up 1-0. Even in Cold War champs, when uh, we... Uh, Toronto came out and fucking slammed us on Moscow Hardpoint to start the final. Like, imagine we lost that. It, it, you should not yeah. be almost penalized for winning in winner's bracket. And right now, it's pretty fucking close to being hurt from winning that. I do think the losers should be playing first, but I still don't think it's talked enough about, or maybe I'm the only one that's super annoying about this, but no, it's no, an every, actual... I've been saying this, this for fucking years. Yeah. Bro, it makes no sense on why it is so catered to losers. It makes no sense. If you lose, you fucking lost. Now, if you want to win, it's going to be hard. Nowadays, if you lose, it doesn't even fucking matter. If not, sometimes if you, if you like catch fucking momentum, although I'm not a huge believer in that, it almost helps you. You get more practice in. You get more reps. You get more fucking fine-tuning on certain maps. Right? Like, uh, that should not be a thing. I, I, so I, 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 don't I don't think there's any argument to it. I know you're not like disagreeing with me. So I'm not like, you know, yeah. I know my tone of voice is like at you, but it's not I'm just in, in the air. You're, but, like, just, you're, just, you're going. Yeah. But it is so unfair for any of that to be a, a thing. It just makes no sense for the love of fucking God. Can we please change it? And it's not even asking much. And the educational thing, by the way, the continuation series, I do agree. If you do continuation series, it becomes a little confusing and I can understand a little like uh, yeah i can see why people get confused about that because a lot of people don't watch like religiously like you know like fucking all day every day so that's like probably the the 10 thing is not educational at all it's not like, it's not hard to understand this team came through winners this team get fucking maven or chance of miles right before so the reason why you know la thieves is up 10 is because they won in the winners bracket and that's why that match is so big now let's get into the final you're done wow education on a fuck wow that was hard it, just do that like <laughs> 
It's just so stupid. I don't know. I'm done. I'm, I'm done so ranting about it because you know my thoughts, but yeah. I'll, I'll give my last thoughts. People were talking about group stage and all that. And the other problem, and I think this is sort of the sort of like post-major one from this year conversation is right now for pretty much all of the events outside of the Pro-Am format, if that's what we want to call it, are all one-stage formats and that limits your schedule. And I know people in my chat are always like, oh, if we add, I saw an idea on Reddit. I respond to the thread and I, I, I got chirped and let me explain what I meant by it. Like, someone's like, oh, like, let's do this idea where instead of the team starting and losing round one, you have to all play in round before winners round one. And I'm like, that's a cool idea. It's way more competitive. The problem is you're adding four matches. There's nowhere for those four matches to go because you got to play them all before you play the other matches. So now we're adding another day on Wednesday. We're making this a five day event, which means you're going to sell tickets to that event, which means more staff, which means more cost because they're sticking with this one station format where they may get this reckoning of, well, in the age of watch parties, in the age of you can consume content any way you want, I mean, viewership was like 300K this weekend, Max. Like, you can finally start to experiment with a double stage situation, and you can then, you know, kind of do some of this stuff and make it a little bit easier because you can get through more matches because stuff's having simultaneous instead of, like, back-to-back-to-back. So we'll, we'll probably cover this stuff more on like future episodes. Cause I think there's yeah. a few other things I want to get to, but hmm. like, yeah, there, there's, it's not, the format's not like perfect yet. And there's a couple of things definitely uh, to, uh, to tweak. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think last thing I had, Chris was, uh, I wanted to ask this, this is going to come out of left field, but I'm really curious <laughs> oh, your thoughts. Uh-huh. Toronto got top six this event, but they play pretty good. I picked them to win and they absolutely bombed, uh, on uh Saturday, I believe. Um, they lost to you guys and then they got lost to thieves they just didn't win a map uh that day um you know they're they're a young team but i'm curious your thoughts on scrappy like do you like do you like his gimmick do you think it maybe sometimes puts his team though in a little bit of a weird box if he's kind of talking to smack and he puts a little pressure on his teammates to follow that up with their performances or do you think not matt doesn't matter <sighs> uh i mean i played with clay and he was kind of similar. Back yeah, he basically did that. Yeah, I mean, he talks enough shit where it's like, well, now this is a grudge match. <laughs> it's like, no matter what. But uh, as a competitor myself, if you can't handle that kind of pressure, then please fucking quit. But uh, like, but that's also not fair to everybody. Everyone's different. I, I think like, you know, depending on the players that you're teaming with, I think a mindset like that could be really helpful. And it could also be really hurtful. I don't think he hurts Toronto Ultra at all. I personally love Scrappy in the sense I've never spoken a word to that guy, but I think his gimmick of shit talking and the way he handles himself is a good for the league, but not even on like some fake like WWE bullshit. Like I think like he like is confident and talks shit through losing and through winning. And I think that's cool. Like, I think that's how it should like, you know, like again, that that's how it should be. There's nothing worse than when people only talk shit when they win. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so like, I think him shit talking and shooting bodies and all that stuff, it doesn't bother me at all because he does it no matter what that's him. That's how he is, you know? And that to me is fine. Like I, I respect people like that. If you can shit talk after having a tough tournament and you, you're truly confident, I think that's pretty cool. And even like to the thing, what you said, like, you know, it puts his team in weird, weird spots. Like obviously everyone's different in the psychological side of things. You know, if he were, for example, was like, you know, say one of them can't really like, doesn't like playing like under that kind of pressure. That's something where a coaching staff and teams and having open communication with each other needs to happen. Right. 
Because if that happens, then you'd be like, yo, like if he realizes he's actually making one of his players worse by talking shit like that, then he could change his approach. There's also the world where, you know, someone can be getting shit talked a lot on a team. Like, you know, say like, you know, you're just getting a lot of flack on social media and Scrap talks so much goddamn shit that he draws the attention to himself. And then a lot of people are roasting him where clearly he does not give a flying fuck what you have to say to him. And that actually can be really beneficial for a team. He's almost like taking oh, the, you the know Jose I mean? Mourinho stride. This no, the, this the, that goes, that, yeah, yeah that goes, a, that, that's like not talked about enough. So like to the, to, to answer that question, I personally don't think that should be affecting you at the level of competition. These guys are at, I don't think it affects many players in the league. If it were to, I think that's something you have to have open communication with between like your camp to figure it out. So like, I don't think that happens a lot. And if it did, I think it would be like, you know, something you could figure out. And with Scrappy himself, this isn't a gimmick where he only does it when he's winning. And then when he loses, like he kind of like backs off, he kind of keeps it pretty consistent. And with people like that, I have respect for that. Like, I think it's, you know, it's much easier to kind of do that when you're only winning and shit. So I like him. I think he's good for the league. I think he's a good player. I think he's confident and I think he's got a pretty solid career ahead of him if he like keeps his head on straight you know what i mean so, yeah i mean they had um, a good they had a good major one performance to sam octane's in the chat what's good sam um didn't i mean they just said bro i mean you guys had it on sunday to an extent a major one like they they pulled up saturday and had a stinker like it, it can't happen you know well i mean i i again i wouldn't think that's anything to be super upset about it definitely sucks but it happened all on the same day and sometimes you just have have a day where you come out flat you know and it just doesn't go your way. So I don't know. I think I, I personally think it's not a big deal for them. They just kind of played bad. Get, you know, it's kind of go back. They looked good before they looked good during they played bad for a day and it is what it is. Uh, one more question I have, and then I'll open up. Is there anything you want to talk about? I do actually want to talk about Seattle. Um, mm-hmm. Bro, they're the weird, there might be the weirdest team in the CDL right now. Like from a like they're not bad sampling because like they're a couple of like Florida London are like I'm sorry not disrespectful as players they're just not good teams and they're interesting in that way but like I think Seattle's good they're just I have never seen a team with this level of talent that's one before be this bad in S and I'm curious obviously maybe there's certain things you don't want to tip but like why do you think they're just so bad in search right now I don't know I couldn't tell you I mean like. <laughs> It just looks like every, I'll say one thing, it looks like every time they need something to go their way, it doesn't. And I also just don't think they're making good plays as a team in general, like situational, you know, stuff. So, I I mean, it's always so hard to judge not knowing, but clearly whatever the fuck they're doing right now is not working and they need to figure it out. Uh, I think, again, like this team is like weird because kind of what we were just saying, like they just played really, really bad but we all know like the potential they have. They need to find like a higher floor and that floor would just be getting a little bit better at S&D and I think they'd be fine. So I, I don't know exactly like what's going wrong for them like at a basic level. I just think they like need to figure out like some of their situational plays, maybe their communications off. Like there could be something behind closed doors where maybe like, you know, just like the team chemistry in general, like they don't trust each other. They're not trusting the calls that are being made. They're not trusting like the philosophy that they have. Like there could be a billion things that can happen. So it's definitely uh weird. The only thing that sucks when you're in these scenarios, like we were kind of talking, I know Octane's in here now, but we were talking about like the thieves last year. 
Like, there was no reason for the Thieves to make a change last year, even after they're 0-5. But, like, now the pressure is on to now not... Do, you can't do that again. You can't, like, you know, have a really bad stage and then, you know, go first and out because you have to make champs. You have, like, you have to... You know, it's really important. So now the pressure is on for them to perform no matter what. And then, like, that's where, like, it kind of gets scary. So, I don't know. I have a lot of faith in that roster. I think they're really good. Uh, usually, search is pretty fixable because, like, they've done they've done decent enough at it before where they clearly know what to do, but they just need to figure it out and figure it out quickly. So, we'll, we'll see. It just seems like, yes, yeah, something's off right now. Usually, it's, like, a confidence thing or something where, like, Maybe there's a mistrust or something, but it definitely uh, has put the pressure on them to start performing before it's obviously, you know, something really has to change, whether it would be the change for the better or not. So, yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just like, Chris, they're just like, if you dive in on the numbers of their team, like, yes, they are, they are bad at getting 4v3s. They are bad. No, they're they're bad at at everything right now. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's just, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing good. I think when you look at their overall performance right now in search, they just like, no, yeah, they're in a major rethink. Yeah, they they do. And what Sam just said is kind of what like I was gonna say too, is just sometimes all you need is like the Kickstarter of what Octane just said, or you know, just that one map where you get stuff done, you're like, that's what we have to do, and like, you know, then it can like start rolling and then like you can start playing like at a way higher level in that game mode specifically, and they kind of get back on the same uh on the, the the right track. That's all they need. Like that's sometimes literally all you need. There's so much mental stuff that goes into cod and like the confidence and all you need is one just to like kind of get like that going again so i i think they got it uh it just the tough part now is like it puts a lot of pressure on you to have to do it like there's no option anymore you know you can't really have like two really 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 devastating majors in a row because then you put yourself in a really tough spot for the rest of the year so uh definitely have a close eye on them i hope they do better because that team is so much better than they're performing but definitely need to figure it out a little bit but yeah, sometimes all you need is one, dude. That's really it. But sometimes all you need is that Kickstarter and you're back in action. So we'll see. They have some time too. They have like what? We don't start matches until next Friday. They got some time to figure it out, but we'll see. Uh, I was trying to think if there's anything else. I don't know what Charlie Intel posted in the chat is talking about. Is that like from... what? Here. Let me see. Yeah, I think we got most of the think... stuff that we needed to get. Yeah, I don't I don't remember a Charlie Intel post about the, the optic pred thing, but I know I have like, I want to speak on the off season because I have like 70, I've gotten, I've dived in on the story after it happened, trying to like get a breakdown of what's part of the story is true. Are you talking about CDL Intel? All I'll say on this, the Pred thing is there's a lot more to the story than's talked about. Seattle hasn't really told their side of the story. Uh Uh, And I don't think anyone's going to purchase him because they're at the moment because their number that they have for him is. The number that I was given, which is a high six-figure number, is a number that I would not pay for someone that's got a few months left on their deal. We'll just leave it at that. Wait, hold up. Um, before we do anything else, because we definitely have to wrap it up, too. I have to yeah. go pretty soon. Uh, I guess the last two things we'll talk about. So, yeah, Seattle Surge on Intel CDL said that uh, Coach Phoenix says they are not partaking in Roster Mania during this break, and the team was staying the same. Kind of yeah. understandable. And, I, th- again, that makes sense. And someone said, like, how much more time we give to Seattle. I would give them a lot more time if the format allowed it. But now that they've put themselves in such a hole, like it becomes like almost impossible to do so. So it's like weird. Like they might end up being forced to make a change that they don't even want to make, or it might not even make them better in the long run. But it's like, sometimes you have to focus on actually just qualifying and getting there. So like they have one more major, 
but they've definitely put themselves in like a pressure situation to get it. But again, all they need is one. So we'll, we'll see. You need to, the way this CDL format works last year, like the magic number roughly was about 200 CDL points. Yeah. So that was like, that was like the number that if you got to 200, you were like pretty safe last year, 160 got you in. But like, I think aspirationally, if you get to 200, you don't go into the fifth major, like really sweating, like your position. Mm-hmm. 150 is just going to, 160 is going to put you like around the cut. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, Seattle actually is the last spot. They're on 70 and LAG is on 50. But again, like you go 0 and 4, you go 1 and 4 and they go 3 and 2 and suddenly that those 20 points are gone. Yeah. Um, and KG makes a good point. You do have an extra stage this year. So definitely, yeah. I think 200 may actually end up being at the bottom end of that. But yeah, yeah. to your point, I think, let's see if Seattle goes back time. to back last. Yeah, it's then, gonna be then, in our situation. Then it just becomes I don't think they're going to. I think they're too good for that. And and I really don't think this S and D drought will last. Like usually S and D is like you can figure it out and like get decent enough to start winning a few of them, you know? And like their respawns aren't horrible. And I think their respawn will get better as well. So I, I think they can I think they're still Okay, I'm not in the sense of like blow up Seattle and let's make a change that makes no fucking sense because that's what everyone ever always wants to do. But I, I don't think they're there yet. But pressure is definitely on. And then the last thing I'll bring up before we, we wrap this up is Major Maniac has been released from the Mutineers and is unrestricted free agent. Yeah. I didn't I didn't know he was actually released, released. Well, we just also got a tweet, literally as you mentioned, it's from Florida that Vickle's also moving to a substitute role. So they're making so big they're making changes. A, they're a double change. So Vickle so, and what? Vickle and Mike are now yeah. well, Major Maniac's released mike's mike's an unrestricted free yeah agent. he's unrestricted so, okay yeah okay so vickle's right. gonna yeah. be their sub they now have two spots open on their team what are you saying cap sam but mike he said gotta be vickle cap. thing you know the vickle thing they officially tweeted it out so like you know yeah uh are you are huh. you talking about are you talking about mike i don't know what sam's talking about but anyway <laughs> well he'll get more context so what i've heard about florida hmm. oh you're saying you're saying caps at all so here's what i've heard about florida oh yeah so i've heard i've heard that they're going to make two changes. They're going to trial a bunch of stuff today and tomorrow. Okay. The the front runner right now, like the the like option A, I think that's the thinking over there. I talked to multiple people like close to the team and people involved in the situation, like players, is that it's probably Brack coming in and they're going to try Dan Ghosty. I think Brack's really good. So but that's think, not yeah. a like that's not a that's the plan we're committing to. They're going to try a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and see what they want to go with this week. The problem is, you know. Uh, one is even someone like Dan has to get bought out because he's currently on Challenger Org, which that's just a little bit of a hurdle. And also, they don't have infinite time to like figure it out. Yep. But yeah, Florida's in a really tricky position right now, points wise. They are in tenth at fifty, and again, Seattle's in there at seventy, so they've got to like catch up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been hor- outside of their S and D. Their S and D is probably the only reason they've won like six series. They did win one of those series by winning like I think all response <laughs> in a series, if I remember correctly, which is like the that side that the hard point's been horrific. So I think they're just kind of completely kind of turning things uh, around there. And we'll see kind of where at the end of the week, what team they actually end up with. Yeah. All right. So that makes sense. So I, I guess we'll kind of wait and see for that. But yeah, I think that about wraps it up. That was about like two hours. I think that was solid. Yeah. We didn't, we, yeah, we didn't talk about the strength of schedule thing. We can talk about that next well, week. Well, I would say episode. that we can, yeah. we can do this again once a week. And also if we ever want to yeah. do like an extra episode, we can, I mean, I'm always around, so we can talk about that in general, but yeah, that wraps it up. Chat, that was our first, uh, that was the first podcast for Scrap Time. We're going to try and do this 
not on Tuesday. Uh, not well, yeah, not on Tuesdays. Usually on Mondays, like after the league is like over for online, and then obviously after an event, it'll be a Tuesday because we're we're traveling on Monday. But yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we'll have we're gonna work on a logo and you know better graphics, so I don't just have Ben up in the <laughs> up in the corner here. Well, this little creeper but, corner out yeah, here. Yeah, but but we'll we'll uh we'll figure it out. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you know, tweet us and other stuff of stuff that you would like to see more potentially, and you know we can see. Sam, I love you. Every other pro that was in here, I love you guys as well. But uh, yeah, I'm going to wrap it up because I got to go take some calls and stuff anyway. And then we're all good.